0: My video frozen.
1: Yes, I was just about to mention that. <laughs> Damn. All right. So it's not it's not me this time. Mm-mm. Give um, it time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> very true.
0: I'm gonna try and turn it off and turn it back on. Boop. When in doubt,
2: we're waiting on bated breath. What is bated for breath, another? Boop. By the way, is that like holding your breath, or that's what I. Assumed, or at least that's what I take it to mean. Alright, Google. Whether or not I am right.
3: I, I honestly don't know. I'm going to look it up.
0: Boop.
2: That was a long boop. <laughs>
3: I was trying to fuck <laughs> with you guys. Like, I, I,
0: like, I accidentally like, shut <laughs> Couldn't up. tell if you like
2: left to go to the bathroom and then you were going <laughs> to come back and boop again.
3: It's actually kind of the opposite of holding your breath. It says uh, the uh, Merriam-Webster with-baited breath idiom definition says in a nervous and excited state anticipating what will happen so like huh. you know like so, i guess something like that would be so can one master baiting their breath <laughs> masturbated breath i feel like it's kind of maybe that's where it comes from
0: if you want to be the origin? master
2: of baiting breath you know that's all you that's that's a nickname that will stick and we'll make sure it sticks
0: <laughs> i mean if it's that if that's the case it's going to be sticky right it oh. <laughs> definitely you're, you're will just, stick.
2: You know, one of these times, I'd like—I'd like to get cold <laughs> opens that are not all sexualized and like, and like, to start taking a turn this way. But
0: I'm sorry, <laughs> strike it all from the record.
2: <laughs> oh no, it's there now. No, it's <laughs> you can't it. unhear you this. Can't take it back. <laughs> you're gonna be masturbating breath all over the place. to another episode of brygon and super friends i'm your host brian labick and i haven't had time to think of or do fun intros for this one so joining me for today for this episode is andy Stoles. what's
1: up podcast people josh zorch yes i i am here and mike bradley
3: this is fucking batman you have a world of information to do these intros where's the in- like he has a rogues gallery that's a mile deep
2: Yep, you can deal with it. Even in no this movie, as far as I'm going. <laughs> even in this
3: movie, they... <sighs> damn it.
2: Yep, I fi- I knew someone was going to be disappointed. I figured it was going to be you, but we're, oh, we're I'm wrong the one with who's it anyway.
3: opening up about it. The others are disappointed; they're just not saying it.
2: It's the <laughs> penguin.
3: It's the penguin. Mike. Bradley I thought about here. doing
2: some riddles. I was trying to get riddles together. I was not satisfied with any of the riddles I had for you guys, so I I <laughs> scrapped the whole idea. Uh, his mom's it, the
0: doctor. Yeah. That's
3: always the answer, right?
0: Yeah, he asked me. <laughs> he asked me to try to come up with some riddles, and I just I tried so to outsource it to Andy, see if it gives me some time. You can tell I'm the pun puns. guy, tried not to the do riddle a guy, What the fuck? in my head, and then got busy and didn't end up remembering to do it. so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see without seeing. <laughs> you want to gonna me, do one right now? Darkness is as bright as daylight. What am I?
2: Wait, that's the one from Batman Forever, right? Isn't that the Batman Forever? Attaboy. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so as I mentioned in our last episode, uh, we're gonna do what well, we were gonna do this last week, and then we delayed until now. So, which is why you got the last minute Obi-Wan Kenobi episode. Um, if you've listened to our most anticipated movies of 2022 list, uh, you will know that this one is one we've been looking forward to. We're here to talk about the Batman. This was a movie that came in as the most anticipated movie for myself, Josh, and Mike. Um, Andy, I can't remember. Did you have a I know you weren't on that episode. Did you give us a list for that one? Was I, don't, it... I
0: don't believe I usually give you an anticipated list.
2: Okay. Would this have hit your anticipated list? Most likely. Near the top? Because or... it was number one for the three of us. Oh,
0: you were all unanimously number yes. one the Batman. Yes. Okay. Uh, maybe. Not to put you on
2: the spot, but.
0: Uh, possibly. I mean, I'm a huge Batman fan, so
2: maybe. Okay. All right. So, So I think it's safe to say this is highly anticipated for all of us. <laughs> Uh, rolling through credits, director of this movie is Matt Reeves, it is written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig, uh, stars Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, Paul Dano, John Turturro, uh, and Andy Serkis, it's the main build cast, I'll leave it there, there's some other surprises in there we can get to later, uh, the movie itself is doing pretty well at the box office, domestic opening, $134 million for the opening weekend, uh, at the time of this recording, which is about two and a half weeks uh, after release, at the box office worldwide total is right now at 479 million. It is on pace for breaking 500 million in its third weekend at the box office. How's that compare to like uh,
3: Spider Man? Do you know?
2: I mean, Spider Man was making a shit ton of money very quickly, so I don't. Th- it didn't make yeah. that. No, I know. Like, it, like is it like
3: half? Is it you know? It like it seems like it's not far off of Spider Man, but far enough that there's a noticeable difference.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is... I mean, we'll have to see, I guess, how it goes the next couple weekends. If it's on pace to hit a billion, it might get close. Like, I could see seven, eight hundred million. Okay. I just feel like
3: they're they're like the two big names. You know, when you think like comics, it's like Superman, Spider-Man, Batman. Those are your three biggest names in comics.
1: Yeah. So, seeing Uh, what the comparison
3: is like is interesting for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I did uh, hear that the... I think the either the domestic or global opening for Batman was better than Spider-Man. It did a better opening weekend on one of those metrics. But I think Spider-Man got to a billion dollars in like three weeks. Yeah. Like yeah, globally, it was... like it blew through it.
3: I feel like a lot of like people's spoilers and stuff started spreading quickly about Spider-Man. And then it added on to how many people wanted to see it. So it didn't lose momentum as much. Oh,
1: sure, and it was multiple you know, viewings, holiday time, yeah. it was a big, huge spectacle event, it was, you know, this was this was a Batman movie to most people, Spider-Man seemed more like an event.
2: Domestic sure. opening for No Way Home was $260 million. so it was Double. above
1: the Batman. Double. Okay, then the source that told me that was really freaking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, worldwide, I mean, I don't know if the worldwide
2: opening week, oh no, it had to have been Pretty big worldwide opening weekend too. I don't have that number right in front of me. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, then I apologize for that.
3: (laughs) Nonetheless,
2: it's just one of those things I like to see.
3: Like, yeah, it's a difference between like a Christmas opening and early March, which is not. It's not really like a. But at the same time, like when Spider
2: Man came out, COVID was a much bigger deal then too. So true. Even that considered, and that many people went to the theater to see Spider Man, so it had a lot going for it. Yeah. Um, currently Rotten Tomatoes ratings for the Batman critic is at 85%. Audience is at 88%. Uh, Metacritic has it listed with a meta score of 72. User score 8.2. Uh, so those are all sort of like the behind the scenes, uh, informational stuff that I have on the movie. Do we, I know we're anxious to get talking about it. And I, I tried to promise these guys, we're going to try to get this episode to come in under the three hour runtime of the movie. So we're going to see how we do, but, uh, do we want to do some general thoughts real quick on the movie, and then get into spoiler specifics of why we think that, or just go straight into the spoilery stuff and just cover it all? Anybody have a preference? I
3: mean, I think general thoughts are good.
2: All right, we'll kick us off. Yeah, you go first because I'm having a hard time figuring out. What do you think generally? Out. Spoiler, spoiler free.
3: Um, I I think I said it to you guys best in our you know Discord chat there. Uh, I I, I came out of this movie depressed. You know, like (laughs) Is that good or bad? Just the feeling of the movie. Like, not necessarily depressed about the quality of the movie. Like, literally, like the movie made me feel depressed. Um just so much about it, I just it, it was a heavy, heavy movie. And
2: Marty McFly described it best. (laughs) Yeah, without spoiling
3: anything, it ends on a note that maybe isn't necessarily the highest of notes or the lowest of notes. It's kind of, you know, like, I don't know, like, I just felt depressed. Like, I felt like, I don't
2: know. I think it it does end on a higher note, I think, maybe (sighs) than you're thinking. I don't know. I I have a reason to think it it ends... A little bit, I don't want to say, not better's not the word I'm looking for, but, um, I don't know, hopeful, I think, than where it begins. Hopeful is a good term for it, but I don't necessarily, yeah.
3: we'll get into more of the spoilery stuff when the time comes. Um, But I think, you know, the way it ends just left me with a heavy, heavy feeling
2: um yeah i can i can see that so
0: i think i tend to agree with brian i feel like the whole movie is like a very long dark tunnel and i feel like at the very end you're starting to get a glimmer of the end. that's a good way to
1: put it yeah yeah i like that analogy yeah and i and to maybe try to emphasize both sides points i think that's the right metaphor because i think you're seeing the end of the tunnel but by no means are you Close. At the end, or yeah. even looking at it, oh, yeah, the end. yeah. You, you
0: like you can see it in the distance, and you can't make out how far. Yeah, or but, even what's but, out, what's but, out there, but, but you, you know the, you're coming out of where you just were. Yeah, but you get that, you get that little like hint of like, can I do this? Ooh, maybe I can. Like, look, <laughs> look, there's the finish line, and meanwhile you have like 532 more miles to run or something. I, <laughs> know, like,
3: and I like, I know I'm the one that suggested doing this without like before spoilers. So I'm going to say like when we get into spoilers, I'll fully explain my own stance um on that. At this time the most I could say is like I generally thought it was a very good movie. That that yeah, would be I my agree. general, but left me with a down feeling personally.
1: And yeah, I, it is, it... I I don't think that's by I don't know if it's by design, but I don't think that's by accident. Right. Yeah.
2: I mean, Mike I, said it right. I think it is a heavy movie. It, it is. is for a bat it's not your typical like summer blockbusty blockbuster popcorn type of movie. Like there's there's some shit to analyze here and it's it gets pretty dark and, and
1: yeah, there's some lessons to be had. Well, I, I okay, I think I can have a non spoiler segment here real quick. So has anybody else, Brian, I know you've seen it more than once. Has anyone else I went twice, s- yeah seen it more than once so far? No. No. Same, I only the one time. So my first time impression was um I think the movie was technically made so well that it makes me forget some of its compositional flaws. Okay. I, th- I think the, the direction, the score, holy shit, just give Giacchino the Oscar <laughs> and all of them now. Um, I have not paid for a movie score in years and years. I actually might for this one. Loved his music. There's pieces to it there that, that are really good. I I do think it is... If, I think if you start to deconstruct it, you start to find problems but the movie is just made so well that you don't notice it as they're happening yeah okay
0: has anybody uh read the long halloween yeah. yes what, but it's been a very several long time. time this is the this is the movie that it was based on like this is that's the source material that it was based off of no
1: no i i i saw elements of it there but i don't yeah, know if it that's... was any one particular thing
3: there was okay. no calendar man there was no like the long Halloween is
1: very, very much different. Okay, but, there's but you're not wrong entirely. I would, I, I would see there's parts the influence. Yes, of bringing what in what they did.
3: Yeah, I think there's like subtle hints. Um, but isn't it like Falcone's daughter that plays a huge role in the long Halloween? Or is that Maroni's daughter? It's it's one of the two. I'd have Their to daughter yeah, plays a, a big, read, huge but... role that we don't really get here. We're we like, no crime boss daughter. Yeah. We're, we're not spoiling anything like, no, like
1: um, the the person, the person you're thinking of Andy is not the person Mike is referring to.
3: No, okay. no, th- th- this is like, she's like a big hulking beat him up crime boss daughter. That is like a crime boss has taken uh. the place of daddy. Not, Anything that we see in this movie.
2: Um, Um, Andy, general spoiler free thoughts. What do you think?
0: Um, To me, it's, it didn't feel like an almost three hour movie. Like I felt like the time went very fast. So I I think that speaks well to its storytelling capabilities and uh, visual presentations to keep me interested in not realize that I had been sitting in the seat for about three <laughs> hours so I think I think, yeah, it, I think I think it did that very well
2: like you you me and Mike recorded Obi-Wan last week and we had talked before the episode about Batman briefly and I had said that after a first viewing it felt long to me there was a point in the movie where I could feel myself checking my watch like okay how much is left like holy shit there's still this much left like it, the, after first viewing, I felt like probably a half hour could get cut from this movie somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think you, there's, I there was some parts you could get trimmed. After a second viewing, I thought the length was going to feel longer to me, knowing what was going to happen. I felt better the second time through. So The, the, the time did not uh, distract me as much as it did the first viewing. So I did think I, I enjoyed the movie the second time through more than I did the first time.
3: So to tell a funny story about that, we went to see this movie Sunday. So we went in Sunday, 11 o'clock. We see the movie. We come back out to the car. And I'm thinking, like, oh, it's got to be, you know, sometime around 2. They didn't really show a lot of previews or nothing in front of it. Get In the car, it says, like, 10 after 1. It was daylight savings time. I actually thought it was 1 o'clock. Like, I had actually thought, like, oh, wow, that was actually shorter than I thought it would. Like, everybody said it was really long. What the fuck happened? So it actually <laughs> literally didn't feel as long to me be, because I got in the car and I saw the time and I didn't even question it. I was just like, oh, <laughs> weird. And then I realized, of course, Amy tells me like, oh, yeah, you know, daylight savings. We didn't change the clock in the car yet. <laughs> wow. It was nice. that long, but I it, it also did not feel as long to me.
2: Well, that's, I mean, that's a sign of a good movie, right? I feel like any movie that, especially at this length, if you're checking your watch or looking at your phone halfway through, theres it's not good. Something's pulling you out of it. Right. And I could, even the second time through, I'm trying to remember, like, what part of the movie made me start wanting to look at my phone and see what time it was and how long more we had to go. And I couldn't figure out where it was that I was like, okay, this was the moment that I sort of checked out. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that the second time through.
1: Um.
0: because I, I feel like Eternals was also a pretty long movie.
1: Yeah, it's about the same runtime.
0: Uh, yeah, it's very similar. And Eternals for me took the amount of time it took. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Batman, I felt like like I almost like time warped or like it was that much time. Like I enjoyed that. That was like you know, time goes faster when you're having fun.
3: Right.
2: And I think well I think that like just the pacing of the movie is a little bit slow too. Like it's a slow burn of a movie. Like you're not very much. It's not built around action sequence to action sequence to action sequence. Like it's a lot of detective and following clues and piecing the puzzle together, which are slow dialogue scenes. Um, So I think that just inherently maybe makes the pacing feel a little bit slow. But again, the second time through when I watched it, I I didn't feel like it was a
1: slow movie. So that's a testament to the movie. I think it was very well done. I, I do have a thought on this, but I will need to contextualize it as we move on later for it to make sense. So just okay. remind me to swing back to that.
2: Okay.
1: Is it the pacing? We should remind you about the pacing. Mostly the or, pacing. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, it's really the uh the 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 run the runtime perspective and, and whatnot, but I, I need to provide specifics okay. for for my I'm Just trying to remember what sense.
2: trigger to give you so you'll try yeah. to remember <laughs> what you give. Yeah. Um all right, anything else? Uh I guess just ending the general spoiler free thoughts. Yay or nay, did you like the movie? And then we'll get into why when we get into spoilers. Um, Andy, yay or nay, like the movie? Uh,
0: very much yay.
2: Okay. Uh, Josh? Yes. You seemed unsure, but we'll dive into that in spoilers. <laughs> uh, Mike?
3: Yeah, I probably in the same spot as Josh. Yay-ish.
2: Okay. Uh, I'm a big yay. I really like this one a lot. And we'll see where we all fall in spoilers. So... It's that time. We're gonna get into the meat of discussion, so we'll get into all the spoilery details. If you do not want spoiled for the Batman pause us now, come back after seeing the movie. Otherwise we'll be glad to spoil the movie for you as much as we you know, so desire. Uh this is your last call. You have been warned, spoilers to follow.
3: Wee-oo, wee-oo. Spoiler. Wee-oo, wee-oo.
0: spoiler
2: You know, something like that. Uh all right, so we are in spoiler territory. We're gonna talk about whatever the hell we want to for this movie. Um I'm going to start, which I feel like maybe was one of the sticking points for some of us, I think, prior to the movie coming out, which was the casting announcement of Robert Pattinson as Batman. So after seeing the movie, <laughs> looking at you, Mike, what, what did you think of Pattinson?
3: Um, so I guess my biggest takeaway from the movie was that we saw a lot of him as Batman, and we did not see very much of him as Bruce Wayne. We saw yes. him in the costume. We saw him doing Batman stuff throughout the whole damn movie. He was great in the costume. Outside the costume, I feel like I still don't have enough to really know whether or not I like him as Bruce Wayne. There was so little of it that I didn't really develop a connection to Bruce Wayne in this movie. I've seen that complaint, but I also think that's deliberate. I, I I'm not saying it's a complaint. I'm saying I I don't have enough information. Like it's like that whole like thing you used to get those math problems when you were in high school and grade school where it's like not enough information is E on the ABCDE. <laughs> I feel like I just don't have enough information about him. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying
2: yeah. I don't know. Josh, you're nodding your head. Do you want to elaborate or jump in
1: here? Uh, I completely agree with with that idea. Um, and I and I wonder if for this story uh or the mood that they wanted to convey like it's sort of like a you know how like jazz is described is that jazz is the notes you don't hear the point of the movie to some degree was how little bruce wayne was involved in the proceedings yes um that was that was part of the point um but given the question on the table i i i agree with Mike, that I, I, from what I saw, I dug him from what I was presented in this positives, thumbs ups on, on that to yeah. see what else, like the other side of the coin brings, you know, then we'll have to determine that next chapter.
3: And, and I think that's why I say it's not a complaint. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not yeah. saying it is a complaint. I'm just saying like, I'd, I'd like to see more of what he can do as Bruce because Bruce is a big part of Batman and, It seems like if we get more of this in the future, they may lean more into that.
2: Maybe. I would think. Um, But I think that's part of at least my interpretation is that's part of what the arc of what the character's going through. Right. uh, He doesn't want anything to do with Bruce Wayne. Batman is the focus.
3: Right. And and And... that's very much why I say it's not a complaint. It's just uh, I cannot tell you whether or not I like him in this role completely. Until I see more
2: Bruce Wayne in the future. Yeah. Uh, Andy, what did you think of Battinson?
0: Uh, I really thought he did a good job. I uh, Although I have to laugh because I saw a meme. Um, I can't remember where, on the internet somewhere. But it said, uh, Robert Patton is the worst vampire ever. It took him 14 years to turn into a bat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that, but um, <laughs> I, I I think he did very well. He 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 startled me actually with how much I liked him on screen as Batman, and I felt yeah. like the little bit that he did portray Bruce Wayne, I felt like his portrayal was in the little snippets that we got was a bolder version of Bruce Wayne than than we're typically used to. Okay, like he really like got up and uh was it falcone's face like as, as uh, soon yeah. as he saw yeah. him like he was he was right there i feel like other bruce waynes are more like uh, wallflowers or or like diplomatic kind of guys yeah but yeah but he was he was he had no no fucks fear. Given? <laughs> yeah yeah he, yeah so i i thought he was awesome i thought he he did a really good job
2: yeah i agree i think i think Battenson did very well i liked i mean he's i can't remember if we talked about when we watched the trailer but that dude has the jawline to put that cowl on like he (laughs) looks good in that suit
3: i I, and that's the thing that i was worried about is because he has the jawline he just doesn't necessarily have the frame that i typically like we have not really seen many interpretations of batman where batman is the hulking character that we see in the you know the cartoons and the comics he's usually normally cast as someone like Pattinson. You think of, you know, Michael Mm -hmm. Keaton and Val Kilmer and George Clooney and Christian Bale, which one of them is built like Schwarzenegger? None of them. And that's how Batman is portrayed everywhere else. So we actually haven't seen that version of Batman on screen. So he worked out intimidating pretty well with what he's got to work with.
1: Yeah. And I think Uh, that was maybe part of it for me that, you, you immediately get Batman. There, there, there's no I have to get used to Bruce Wayne, who then responds to a thing, and now he's putting the suit on, and then you have to deal with the person you know. Putting the in and, and you know, arguments aside of like which is the real mask, you, you just get him like it was and maybe that was the interesting point is is all other incarnations almost like no matter what you're you're primarily presented with Bruce. Yeah. Even even if Batman is your first impression in some of those movies, you're first presented you're primarily presented you're dealing with Bruce who occasionally is Batman throughout the the runtime. And in this I think it's going to be the other way around. Yeah. It's the Batman and then maybe the next chapter is how do you feel about the time you spend with Bruce Wayne, which is the real costume, the real <laughs> mask, right? Yeah, I think there was some like uh, maybe complaint isn't
2: the right word, but like criticism aimed at like there just isn't it's sort of sort of like what Mike said, maybe not enough time with Bruce, but it it because of that it doesn't show you the duality of the character of him fighting between both sides and figuring out when to be Batman and when to be Bruce and how those light, how he has to juggle both sides. Literally he's Batman or he sleeps during the day as Bruce Wayne and doesn't do anything. But that's a point they make in the movie is that Bruce yeah. Wayne isn't doing anything. And that's a problem. I've seen that enough though.
3: Well, and I think yeah. this is part of a look at how Bruce is becoming Batman in the early days. Something that, like, Batman Begins shows us how he becomes Batman. And then by the time we get to the Dark Knight, years have passed. And he fully is Batman at that time. And he is fully into the role. In this movie, they show us the early part. And, you know, they say, like, oh, what, two years have passed since he originally became Batman? yeah. Yeah. So, he's still in that early phase of separating Bruce from Batman. His own personality. He's just out there doing what he does. And he is all the time Batman at this point in his life. And he has not yet learned that he needs to fully separate them. And I yeah. feel like the um things that happen in this movie could be the influence that helps him to separate them. You know, we see Alfred get hurt because somebody knows he's Batman. Or because somebody wants, like, we well, not necessarily because somebody knows he's Batman, but we see Alfred get hurt. Yeah. And he may see that as the catalyst to separate more his own priorities as Batman and his priorities as Bruce Wayne. And, like, you know, the thing with, like, the orphanage, and there's a lot going on there that I think we're seeing him not yet having separated the two. And this being, like, the early stages of what Batman becomes.
0: And I feel like they, uh, to build on what Mike's saying there, I feel like they laid a pretty good foundation for um, Alfred to notice that as well. And maybe, like, the next movie, like, he starts shaping him into the gentlemanly scholar that he's supposed to be. Yeah. Because he even admitted as much. He's like, I I taught you how to fight because it's all I knew. But I feel like he... Would be the one to sort of lead the charge in teaching him like to be you know part of Gotham highest society Oxford well, I think not even Brooks.
2: the 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 scene at the funeral too, like when Bruce Wayne finally makes a public appearance and so many people are talking to him like, "Oh, the recluse is here, and the the mayoral candidate talks to him about like you could be doing so much more for this city, and you're just m i a like I think that's the stuff that Bruce needs to change going forward. And I think we see that at the end. When he, yes, I agree. You know, that yeah.
3: that that scene where he cuts himself down, like he goes and grabs the live wire. And then he leads the people out. He's saying, "I'm going to take this city on my shoulders and lead them into the future." Even if it's not in a, you know, governmental role, I'm going to be the shining light the city needs. And I think it was a lot of really good imagery with him holding the flare and leading people to safety.
2: Yeah, so I was going to bring that scene up specifically later. I'll try to touch on it now. Sure, sure. See, if, I don't know where it's going to spin us. But Twitter, I think, gave this to me. I didn't I didn't think about it the first time I watched it. But that scene where he grabs the cable, cuts the cable, sacrifices himself in the water, and then reemerges. That's the baptism of Batman. That's okay. where he puts aside the vengeance role and decides to be a symbol of hope for Gotham City.
3: Right. He, he changes from being vengeance to Batman. In that moment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because he had
0: just gotten stunned from the uh the Riddler impersonator who, he said, who are you? And he replied, I am vengeance. And you could see that it. That was chilling you when that happened. You could see it in his face like, oh, fuck, I've become what I am trying to fight.
2: Yeah, I failed. I've, I've delivered the wrong message to the city. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, you could see it. Like, you could actually, like, see him, like, almost, like, facially Ooh. quiver. I don't know how he fucking did it, but <laughs> it, it looked really, like, like he was, like,
2: shocked. Like, And there's a bit of that at the beginning, too, yeah, the when he fights the muggers seat. trying to knock out the guy. He The guy's left on the ground. All the muggers are gone, and he's like, don't hurt me. And Batman's looking at him like, man, I just fucking saved your ass. Like, what do you want from me?
3: Right, <laughs> and that's a moment for him to realize, like, damn. I need to actually not have people that are doing good afraid of me. Just the bad people should be afraid of me. Right. And that's a, you know, I guess in this scenario, that's a big revelation for Batman. I feel like previous iterations of Batman already knew that. But I feel like this is a younger version of Batman that is maybe a bit more... Angry. Yeah. At, at, you know, at mercy to their emotions than... It's a very emo Batman. I, mean, he's I hate to say off the whole say it that way. He's just yeah. he's a very emo Batman, and that's okay. But, because it's a learning phase, it's not this is yeah. how Batman should be. It's Batman learned from being an emo Batman that that's not necessarily the best way to go.
0: Plus, I think this is this is the first time in his life that he's he feels like he's physically and mentally capable of taking out the vengeance he's wanted his entire life.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He trained, yep. he learned, he became a yep. deadly weapon, and now he's he gets to go in. And... Yep. yep. And that, and that's why cool. he's vengeance,
2: is because
1: he yeah. is
3: acting in a vengeful way. Yep.
1: Yeah. Josh, go ahead. Just real quick, I can see you're going to spin to something else, but um, this is a part of a different, slightly different topic around it, but I think it's related that the conversation that he ultimately has with. Edward Nigma in the interrogation room when they're on the opposite sides of the window has the same effect as when he uh, you know, is, is fighting down the minions at the stadium and the guy speaks vengeance to him. He is as thrown off by what Nigma is saying to him as we are. Yeah. That he never expected the person doing these things, thinking this way to ever, he never even dawned on him that that person would take him as inspiration feel yeah. that they are on the same page they can as he i think he says either like we're partners or we're you know something like we're doing this together that yeah. never occurred to him it didn't ever factor into his calculus and just completely throws him off such a great scene too it, i love that it, scene in
3: that moment i felt like personally watching it the first time i'm sitting there watching like wait how did he trick him because i'm like, as he's telling Batman this, I'm thinking, like, he had some plan that he worked out to frame Batman as being part of all of it. That's what was going through my head as I'm watching it. As the rest of the movie plays out, you realize just how much better that scene is. Or mm-hmm. at least I did. Um, But in that very moment, I'm thinking, like... Did he figure out some way to, like, implicate Batman as part of his plan? I, I wasn't aware of, of exactly what was going on. And then, of course, yeah. you know, everything else happens. And you're like, oh, shit. Okay. Now it makes sense.
2: Um, I was just going to sort of bring up, like, since we're on the topic of Batman, just... And we talked a little bit about it, but just what do you think of this version of the character? Maybe compared to others better worse like it more or less
0: i actually really enjoyed it more because i felt like everything they did in this movie was something that i feel like if a person in our society became a millionaire and wanted to do the things that he that he wanted to do you could do like none of his gadgets were exceptionally out of the wheelhouse of real life like the batmobile was very real like his gadgets were all very real like he he made very real mistakes he took punishment he like he was a to me this was the most real life batman this
3: this was batman with millions and not lucius fox like with with millions and without lucius fox and having to build this stuff himself as opposed to having a science division that you know is building it for him that we seeing you know the nolan stuff
0: yeah right but even the nolan stuff like every time batman does something in those movies there's no notion to me that he's not gonna get done what he needs to get done aside from the bane thing we all saw that coming um (laughs) right like even when he jumps out of the plane and and blows blows up the side of the Glass and goes in there. Like I had no notion that he might not do that. But the scene where he's on top of the police station with with the gliding suit on and like they they did such a great that was such an awesome shot there where he's just going so fast that you.
2: But it's a blur. Yeah, Yeah. like Mm
0: I actually got a little bit of an anxiety from that because I'm like, oh, he's going too fast, and he knows he's going too (laughs) fast, and, and
3: like like to be fair
2: even the hesitation to jump like yeah, that was great yeah, at that moment too yeah. like well, i've never done this before uh i know how this is supposed to work uh i got they're here i got to go and then he just goes
3: and to be fair in that scene that's a hollywood scene 100% any human being on earth does that and lands the way he did they're dead oh yeah for sure 10 times yeah. over they are 100% dead. There's no chance of survival in the landing he took on that.
2: It was... He's flattened on the underside of that bridge or whatever he made contact with when the parachute gets caught. Yeah, yes.
3: they, there's no He's surviving the way that he landed. It I, And I appreciate what they did. Like you said, the hesitation. There were so many good things about that scene. I would have preferred them to not have him crash land the way he did because that just suspended my disbelief. It was just that moment of like, nah, he's fucking dead if that happens. Whereas if he lands a little bit hard, if they film it a little bit different, where he lands kind of hard and gets hurt, but they film it in such a way that he doesn't fucking Johnny Knoxville a fucking.
2: Like you kind of you kind of feel for him getting hurt. But at the same time, I also think that I got a laugh out of both of my screenings when I saw it. Like it's, it's played for comedics. A little like, you'd bit. You think yeah, he's going to but... be fine, and then he the parachute gets caught, and he just flops around on the ground for a little while.
3: And that's that, that's he gets up and walks away. And like that's the other thing. Like it's not even just that he survives; he walks away from
2: it. He limps a little bit. Look at, look mean...
3: at all the look at all the shit that all the other Batman did. Like, and <laughs> I'm not. This is what suspends your disbelief. <laughs> Listen, I get that. I'm just saying. <laughs> In the moment, they could have handled it differently. Because, like Brian's saying, like, it got a laugh, which is way out of the rest of the tone of the movie. How many times did they there try like for a laugh? There three laughs
2: in the movie, I think. Yeah,
3: like, they weren't going... This wasn't Thor, where they're trying to no. get laughs. They're trying yeah. to actively not get laughs and give you this all... And a couple of times, they got good laughs. I think there's one or two with the penguin that were pretty funny. Um. Oh, he, yeah, he had a couple. But... Th- this moment like yeah it gets laughs but it's also to me like where did that come from It's it felt out of place to me like it was cool okay. in every
2: other way until the landing uh josh what did you think of th- this version of
1: batman um I, I i hope this suffices as somewhat of an answer or framing an answer um stealing a tweet from whom i don't know where it came because again it was (laughs) passed on secondhand from something else i listened to somebody had made the comment that and this ties into what i think andy was saying with with some of the nolan stuff christopher nolan's one of his main goals was to figure out how batman could exist in the real world Mm mm-hmm in in everything that he does, he makes he would like it has to be able to be achievable without science fiction, um okay. or without fantasy. Uh, the comparison was saying that Nolan figured out how Batman could exist in the real world. Reeves made Batman's world real. Oh, okay, yeah, oh, I like wow. that. Okay, and that I, I I heard this about four or five days after I saw the, the the movie opening weekend, and that helped me frame a feeling about it that I had had but couldn't put my finger on. Yeah, um, that it does feel very grounded still, and look, it's like the it's like the real world, but it's an alternate real world. Yeah. to a, to a degree not necessarily with the contraptions or the tech or the stuff that he can do I don't necessarily need to figure out like oh does he have like one of those flying squirrel suits that people use <laughs> to jump through canyons out in the southwest maybe he does don't give a shit um, the the mood and the tone of the whole thing he inhibits is what allows this version to work well within it okay Um. so that being said Yes, I think I do, because it's a it's yet a different way to to give it to me. It it, it was not a reinvention. I feel you know not have to rehash this, but I feel very bad that I still don't think that we got a really good sense of what Ben Affleck could have done and and tried to do yeah. as either Bruce Wayne or as Batman. He was so you you the the closest you can get is throughout uh, Batman v Superman. Any of his time in either of the Justice League cuts doesn't, in my opinion, give you that uh, for, for him as Batman. Um, but there was nothing about Pattinson and the one that Reeves wanted to create that I could automatically say, well, that's just this aspect of him. You know, that's like 20 percent bail. There's 40 percent uh, Keaton. You know, I, there was never any comparison. Yeah to it uh this incarnation i i think i'm okay with wasn't this the movie that like like when it was when batfleck was supposed to get a solo movie wasn't it supposed to be called the batman mm-hmm. it may have initially but his his version would have been a continuation from their storyline so his right. would have been a like part of the dceu right yeah but i mean it, like what i'm ahead.
2: what i'm trying to remember i think if i remember the chain of events was that they made they were gonna they announced this movie it was gonna be batfleck all the shit happened where it wasn't sure if he was going to come back or not. Maybe it sounded like the movie wasn't going to get made. And then I thought, like, you know, Ben Affleck was going to direct and write and star, and that was the whole big thing. Right. And then it was, okay, well, we're going to take him off the director's chair. He might not write the movie. We're, we're recrafting the script. He's still going to be in it. And then I thought they brought in Matt Reeves to direct it under yes. being with, Bat, with Batfleck. Yes. And then suddenly it morphed into a whole other thing where the script was retooled, Ben Affleck left, Matt Reeves
1: recast Batman, and it became this which I understand yes at least what you laid out Brian was, was correct the continuation would have been just like they set up at the end of the justice league tag would have been basically batman versus deathstroke right yeah and right. reeves yes was going to replace ben as director but ben was still going to write my guess is that after the experience i don't know but the experience of the the whole justice league breakdown yeah, both like the relationship with him and Warner Brothers soured, and then he's like, "Well, where the hell do I go from here?" The movie, like, critically tanked, et cetera. Um, so that then led to his complete exit from the role, cue the, cue from the writing sad flick everything. Gif. Exactly. <laughs> so Matt, you know, Reeves was already brought in to do a thing, and they're like, "Uh, okay, do you still want to do this?" And so he just started for like he, from what I understand, Affleck pretty much had a script like it wasn't like it was just going to be the idea he's going yeah. to like he had a script in working form that then needed you know be polished and blah 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 but which is was, why they got destrick in the tag and cast joe manganello like probably he was gonna yeah. be the role yeah exactly um so at one point reeves was just going to make ben's movie even if okay, he wasn't batman anymore yeah. and then they just completely nixed all of it and they started over okay
3: can, can i just be one to say thank you for that no no <laughs> offense to joe manganello
1: and all that but that
3: like end that tag that we get with him as deathstroke it didn't work like i love the dude he's awesome but as deathstroke there and that tag it was just like this looks like a 90s batman film i was excited for it i want to see it, <laughs> it like I, just to me the costume and the makeup on him and everything just did not work for
2: me i dug it i was ready I agree with um, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fair enough. Some other stuff I liked about this Batman. I liked the uh, leaning into the detective side of him. Like, we get bits of Detective Batman in other movies. I think this leaned at hardcore. Like, it's literally just following clues and puzzles and trying to figure it out. And he's not the smartest man in the room the whole time. Like, him and Gordon are following clues, and they get them wrong repeatedly. It seems And like- then they have to reassess and rethink and figure it out. And I love that part of it. And it felt like Alfred um,
3: corrected them a lot.
2: Alfred had yeah. Alfred he's figured some stuff out too yeah. Um, in the bat suit, I fucking love this bat suit. I think it is fantastically made. It reminds me so much of the Arkham games, like some of the later Arkham games that are just armor. It just looks like armor. Um, and like the the sound design of the way Batman stalks into a room of like the heavy boots hitting the ground and just that heavy walk just coming in from the shadows, I think is really fucking cool.
0: With the the orchestra. Yeah, I mean, they play the theme every time he comes in like that. It's amazing, yeah. It's super awesome.
3: So two things I have to say about both, like, like, two things I can say about that individually that actually kind of bugged me a little bit. One is that it's always raining. He comes in, he's always stepping in puddles to get those heavy boot steps in. And it was just like, well, I mean, we can get that without the puddles. It doesn't always have to be raining. The other was is this just empire strikes back the soundtrack it, it
2: like it sounds so similar to darth vader's theme i mean we said that i think when we talked about the trailer when they played it in the first trailer did we it, it's very heavy i thought we did oh, okay it's been so long since we but
3: yeah like it's it sounds a lot it sounds
2: very it's Star like Wars. a few notes off of the imperial march yeah like a little it, bit slowed down but it's in it's there it's still
3: badass and it's still awesome but it's just like every time you walked in the room i'm like where's darth vader
2: which again, I think we talked about at the trailer too. I think it fits like oh, it works for the, Batman. The Imperial March is fearful for anybody against the Empire. Darth Vader's theme is supposed to scare people. Batman is supposed to scare people. Yeah. it works. I- if Star Wars didn't exist, you could just play that theme for
3: Batman, and it works one hundred percent. Like it.
2: <laughs> Maybe that's what they used as the temp score, and they're like, "Give me that." And G Kino's like, "Okay, it's <laughs> well, yeah, I got we-, you. We-, we can twist that." Yeah,
3: and and it works. It's just one of those things where I can't not hear Darth Vader when he. When that's happening, so, like yeah. that's the only thing. And the wet footsteps that—that that was.
2: <laughs> it, it seems like it's raining a lot in this movie. I mean, I feel like they did that in the animated series and stuff too. It's always dark and rainy,
0: and Gotham. Feel, oh yeah. I feel like the the style they were going for here was was sort of like a detective noir, and I feel like all of yes. those included yeah. rain pretty much all of the time. So they do, and I it, think that sort of explains why. There's like ten percent of
2: this movie that takes sh- place in the day.
0: Shows, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, it was Edward there when cast. it does. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like everything looks
2: grayish green when it's in the day. It just finished raining. Um, all right, let's try to maybe quickly go through the cast. So, like, I have nothing bad to say about this entire cast. I thought they were all excellent. Um, but we talked about Batson. We'll go to uh, what do you guys think of Paul Dano's Riddler?
1: I really liked it a lot. I thought he, he really, was creepy as fuck. He,
0: yeah, uh, it it was nice to see a Riddler that was brutal sick sick instead of like sort of like laughing goofy so who wasn't uh, the
1: joker the the jack nicholson joker version of the riddler right? or the jim carrey riddler just which is exactly what he did it's it's fun but it's (laughs) the jack nicholson or cesar romero version of the joker as the riddler yeah yeah uh personally for me i I liked it and I
3: hated it at the same time. Okay. Um, in so much that it, to me, other than leaving a note, there was nothing about this character that was the Riddler. It like he he could have been the Zodiac for all that mattered. Like it it he could
1: have been the Zodiac yeah, killer. Okay. Like it it didn't. Nothing it's about harsh, the character. Partially what they were trying to go for.
3: I get that. But if we're gonna be the Riddler, I I could have used. Like it, it see, I know what they were going for. I get what they were going for, and it played well. And it's nothing against what Paul Dano did. I think he did exactly what they wanted, and it works. It's just as the Riddler, I feel like there was, I don't know, an element missing somewhere. You know, like like, there was more they could have done with it. I don't know. Just some element. Like, I think we. Generally, in this world today, we look at Heath Ledger as the best Joker. And I feel like he brought every element we could have wanted out of the Joker and put it into a real-world scenario. And I feel like he still felt like the Joker. Whereas this, I feel like, put everything I would want wanted out of a, like a mystery crime movie killer mm-hmm. into a Batman movie. And other than just leaving a riddle behind... And a cypher and this and that. It, it didn't feel like the Riddler to me. The whole movie, like, it, you could have just named this an uh, entirely new Batman um, villain. Just given a new name. Oh, I see. And it wouldn't have been the Riddler. You could the have, puzzle. you know, like, there was no... Or, or you know what I mean? It, it just doesn't feel like the Riddler to me. And I feel like that was a part of it. The other end of it for me where I will, I guess, say one negative for Dano is there was... Specifically that scene we get of them in, like, with the glass between them. It felt overacted to me. It felt like too over the top. Like, he went to a point, and I felt
2: like that was good, and then he kept going, and I was like, oh. See, I like that. I, I thought it was unsettlingly, unsettlingly, uh, I don't know, really, really good. Like It unsettled me in the best ways. See, I felt like I got
3: to a point where I was unsettled by it, and then he kept going, and when he kept going, I started rolling my eyes. Like I was you unsettled. Know, I still, still like it, and then it just kept going
2: further. That's all for me. It's it's the kid on a, in a tantrum at that point. Yes, like it's the, it's the first time someone's telling him no, and you did something wrong. Right. I, I I so I I don't know. I I was cool with it. I think I one of the things like I. I liked what he did with it. I, I don't know if they played up. I, I think I expected Riddler to be just slightly smarter in the fact that I figured he'd be the one to figure out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. So that he, whole point of the I thought that's where they were going with it. And then yeah. he says, no, Bruce Wayne's the one we didn't get. And I was like, you missed it like that. That was the point where you make him that much better of a villain to figure it out.
0: But but that I, wasn't that wasn't his goal.
2: I understand. To figure yes. Out who the Batman his, was. Yes. I'm, but I figured he was smart enough reasoned. to do it. He if not by
1: accident, he'd figured out just along the way. I think if we had not gotten such a convoluted explant quote explanation as to how uh I'll just call him Robin just somehow knew bruce wayne the orphan was batman in dark knight rises (laughs) which you know all all forgiveness otherwise for that movie aside that was a dumb move (laughs) um if we had not already gotten an experience like that i would agree with you i think the notion for me that like if we had gotten that again like okay so everybody's just gonna know like one, like somebody in each each movie cuz that's like you read comics for weeks for months for years you watch an animated show for seasons we get a movie every 4 years yeah so it, it like in each of those beats somebody is just going to know he's bruce wayne that can't happen all the time but i liked how much they teed up that whole conversation you think he is just saying right to him you son of a bitch. I know who you are. Yeah. You and your family are on my list. You're part of my anger. And I am going to tear you down and burn everything you know. And then you realize he has no clue. Yes. And I love that flip. I actually okay. did. Yeah. And
3: and I think that's very, uh, what's the term? Representative of the way that they're trying to portray the Riddler as this nut job conspiracy theorist that has a couple things right, but has no idea what the full story is. And
1: he... Well, does he not have the full story? Like, I, I feel like he knew everything. Like, not knowing that Bruce Wayne is Batman, does that necessarily impact everything else he's talking about?
3: Well, there's a lot of other nuances he doesn't know about it. Okay. Like, we get into what Thomas Wayne did. With Falcone, but we don't see the Riddler understand that nuance. He just sees, he talked to him and then this guy wound up dead, therefore this happened. And that's how conspiracy theorists, nutjobs, end up thinking the things they think, is because they don't understand what actually happened. Do you think okay. that would have
2: actually swayed him if he knew what actually happened? I don't think He's that'd a make a nut difference job. to him.
3: That's the point, though. The, the, like, the idea is that he didn't care about what actually happened. he He couldn't understand for what he is
1: because of how he thinks
3: yes okay so like he has this little bit of information and it fits his narrative so he's going to use that and not even look at anything else and he's going to pursue it and only that and use it as motivation and anything that contradicts it is going to set off that temper tantrum that you're talking about
2: and see that fits so much of like what they lead with the uh, the the online chat group that he finds like all the right-wing social media shit that is scarily accurate with what this movie <laughs> portrays like
3: misinformation
2: yeah. and
3: limited facts with less knowledge than they deserve to have representing themselves as reality when in fact they don't have the whole story and they're acting on that half story that they have and this is what happens when that happens. And they're showing yeah. that. And I think that's very intentional on their part is that he is oh, meant sure. to yeah. be that. And, and I think for me, that's where the disconnect with the Riddler is kind of like Josh said, it should be a smarter character. The Riddler's smarter than that. The Riddler is very much above all the conspiracy theory nonsense. And the Riddler is very much the smartest man in the room, but also a violent psychopath that's always been the riddler he's smart but he's also he knows everything
1: but he also just doesn't care and he wants to murder people yeah and and i think maybe now that you're saying some of these things for me maybe one slight disconnect for the character like you said like the character was at an eight why couldn't it get it to a nine or ten because regardless of some of these other aspects of of him that you're talking about the the goal the aim was almost in his mind one routed in social justice yes it it, it may have been personal and it may have been seemingly selfish to a certain degree but it was not destruction or let's make chaos of society let me rob things let me become rich let me gain power um and that's a side of most of these villains that we don't Ever get to see? It's like a and maybe had Robin his Hood. right a little bit, and and maybe if if his overall goal had been a a a bit more, well, not even a bit, but less. Gonna, it's gonna be weird just to use this word, less <laughs> altruistic. Those so extra is little the correct term, I think. right? Like like maybe maybe those other parts of him could have been punched up, and yeah. amplified. But given given what he was working toward. Right, it would have not actually fit as well for those to be predominant parts of his personality. Andy, I see you shaking your head. Get I, in here. I,
0: I disagree with that, because
1: basically okay. what you just described to me is the Joker. I don't, I don't want the Riddler okay.
0: to be the Joker.
1: Right, and I'm not saying I want it to be a certain thing. I'm saying the, just the the disconnect, perhaps, of why Mike felt parts of his personality were wanting are because his goals were almost more like hey i think i'm actually doing a good thing for people as misguided as it might be that was not the joker's aim right the joker's aim was chaos and always, disorder. always chaos right right but exactly exactly
0: there's there's always some sort of you know he always has a plan the riddler right mm-hmm. like there's always some some sort of agenda he's pushing
3: well, I and, and I guess the way I've always thought of the Riddler is the Riddler is obsessed with Batman and Bruce Wayne. Very similar to the way that the Joker is obsessed. But, like, their obsession with Batman is very similar. And I think the disconnect is that the Riddler usually knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And has that obsession with fucking with Bruce Wayne. As opposed to the Joker's obsession with just fucking with the world. Like, let's fuck with the world and see what kind of shit we can make happen. (laughs) Ha ha ha, this will be funny. Whereas the Riddler is trying for self-validation. The Riddler wants to prove that he is smarter than Batman. That he is smarter than Bruce Wayne. That he is smarter than everybody. He's trying, in a lot of the shit that he does, to prove that he is smarter. Not to be caught... And that the way the Riddler plays in this movie is he wanted to be caught and he wanted everybody to know what he did. Whereas the Riddler's real like motivation was always just being the smartest guy there was, wasn't it? Am I reading the Riddler wrong, or is that like kind of what his motivation was? Was just I'm better than you, haha. Yeah, I That's think there was some of that.
0: Present.
2: Yeah.
3: So the I
0: feel like the movie like, let's say the Riddler is in the next movie, right? I feel like Batman has taken the focal instead of... His focus, instead of being, like, social inequality and social justice, has now totally taken that that role. So maybe it's like slightly focus, an origin story for the Riddler, his too. His focus yeah, is now Batman. Like, he's going to figure out every bleeding thing about this guy because he just... Fucked over his plan,
2: which could be really fun as a story point later to figure out that Bruce Wayne, the one he didn't get in his first plan, right. is the one that's I feel fucking like, with him now. I
0: feel like that's going to come be a be a really cool swing, and and I think they plan a trilogy, right?
2: I yeah. I am assuming. I feel like I've heard that places. Yes, and if this works as an origin story for the Riddler
3: becoming more of what the Riddler is later, I will like ten years down the line. I will probably fucking love this. <laughs> um, and I feel like that worked the same way for me like we talked I didn't get to necessarily weigh in on like how I felt versus other Batmans and what I would say there is when I watched Batman Begins I was like this was a good movie but whatever you know what I mean like it's another Batman and then by the time we get to the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises it's when you fully get that realization of how good what they put together was you know that world building they did in Batman Begins was really good but it wasn't at that great level that they did with the Dark Knight. So I liked Christian Bale as Batman and Batman Begins. But by the time we got the Dark Knight, that's when I started to love it. So in this case, I think we could see the same thing happen here, is more of their story fully realized in the next movie. Yeah. Um And hopefully they can continue to rise as opposed to like a peak in the middle and then a drop back down. Uh, yeah, we I, I mean, I'm
2: hoping if Reeves already plans for a trilogy, that he's got something in mind, at least like broad story arcs or something for this. So I, I feel like we definitely get foreshadowing on that.
3: Oh, uh, for sure. You know, yeah. Like I am. Dude, is there a cast note on who that was as the Joker? Yes. Yes. Yep. I did not. Look, Josh is thrilled. I did not look I, to I, see I actually, who it was. Tell me, this is my first moment
2: that. finding out who it is. I, I, I saw it on Twitter the day of the well. I seen him, the the actor, trending, and people starting to give him props and hashtagging the Batman with stuff they were tweeting at him, and I was like, all right, so he's in the movie. Okay. And I was kind of waiting to see where he shows up, and that was who it is. But uh, how well do you know the Eternals and the cast from the Eternals? It's not Kumail, is it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, 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 I as the Joker.
1: I, I wouldn't be upset about that. I'm
3: just okay. Is it going to be the guy that played the, um... oh, what was that like character's I say said?
2: Barry Coninghan Koning- or Co- what, Koegin? Co- How do you say his last He's name? He's got to say it before Keoghan? I can tell him whether or not
1: I know it. Barry Keogin? That's probably not right, but that's the closest we're going to get. <laughs>
3: Which character did he play in the Eternals? Druig. Yes, okay, the that's who I thought it was. Eternals. Yes.
1: yes.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's who it is.
3: Okay. Yeah, I, I think I feel like so the way. So this is Josh a whole other looked, topic
2: that I was going to get to at some point. Yeah, no, that's but, fine. That's fine. I don't want to like how do derailed. I mean like how do you feel? How does everybody feel about that casting? Because I don't know I enough about unsure. that dude. Sure.
3: I, I the only I, thing I, I've seen him in is the Eternals.
2: Well, I, this is the thing, right? So it, this is a this is a cameo appearance. It, like I always assume they do something like they did with Batman Begins, which is tease the Joker, not cast the Joker, so that when you get to the next movie, you put out a casting call and you figure out who plays the role. The fact that they have casted this role already and teased this role already in this movie means they have a plan for this character, and somehow this guy won the job. I'm not crazy about the casting. Like I thought he was fine in Eternals, but when I think of the Joker, this is not an actor that I would have pegged to be in the running to be this character. Like so fair. they saw something in him that was like, okay, we're gonna give it to this guy because we're gonna something's here that we want him to play with.
1: I and did, I did not see the film, the movie yet. But I remember the trailers for a movie called "The Killing of a Sacred Deer," which he is in. Okay. Uh, there's some there's actual people that you would know in it. Um. Oh, Nicole Kidman. Um. How old is the movie? 2017. Okay. Um. The tone, from what I remember of that, is one of those like very unsettling young men things are bad type like so that could get on the roll that's the vibe that i got so maybe not directly that but having that on a resume you know could 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 do it when i learned it was him i wasn't all that shocked i'm like okay i could i could potentially see the leap someone could make with that okay like
2: i Sort of my point was that, like, I trust the casting of this movie so well because I think the rest of the cast of this movie is fantastic that if it's the same casting director, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay you're on to something. I want to see where this goes in the next one.
1: Yeah, I I don't know what to do with it, but like I would love if a lot of it like I I don't know about how do you guys feel about constantly getting like I don't want to say more villain origin stories per se, but. I almost want to dive into something like Arkham. Like, that's... They're already there. Like, ha- have... You know what? It's not just the two of them. You know, the, give me some second stringers. You know, make it some kind of, like, escape from Arkham. It's just something. Something more grand. I don't know. I could see them leading up to, like, the
2: the third movie being that or something. Maybe, like, well,
3: yeah. And I and I think maybe the movie that we get next, or maybe even from here on out, there isn't a focus on the Joker. Maybe the Joker is that side character Mm. that's a whisper in somebody's ear the way we see him in this film, which actually was one of the scenes that gave me the most reminiscence of The Long Halloween. Because if I'm not mistaken, the Joker's locked up for pretty much that entire thing. And he's talking to Calendar Man. And a lot of it, and we see a lot of that happening through the discussion between cells, kind of the way um, Clayface, we see Clayface get very much influenced in a lot of the different um, media that we've seen Clayface in. We see him get influenced a lot by the person in the cell next to him, whether that was Poison Ivy in, I, I think, the animated series or the Joker in some of the comics, and so on and so forth, to do certain things. Um, I think we might be seeing something like that here because the Joker's obviously already been a
2: problem that Batman solved and got put into Arkham. I think Reeves confirmed that. Yes. Yeah, somewhere in the two years that Batman has been functioning, he caught and captured the Joker. Right. And so maybe we get
3: like that, like that take like Joker's whispering, in the ears of the other criminals in arkham through the cells and some of them that maybe get released or moved to different facilities like Blackgate, can spread a word or something um, yeah and i think like you know like i don't think they want to rehash the joker again Cause, because how many times have we seen the Joker? You know I mean? It seems like every time we get Batman, we got to get the Joker. But you
2: also don't put the Joker in the movie unless you're going to use him, I don't feel like.
3: But I, what, I'm not saying they're not going to use him. I'm just saying using the Joker in a different it, capacity than has been used before, as, as opposed to the main villain, as maybe. Like a secondary character? Yeah. As maybe that voice in their head. You know what I mean? That that's something that's going on behind so the So you're scenes. telling
0: me that you thought they used. Jared Leto, well as, as the Joker is is what I didn't say well. I
3: said we got the Joker. I said <laughs> no, they, I'm, they they I'm, put I'm him like, there. Like it's not well like used, they,
0: like they barely used the guy.
3: I agree, and if, if from what we've seen at the end of like the Justice League Snyder cut, had we gotten that Joker in Suicide Squad as opposed to whatever the hell that was, I feel like they're two different characters. They're so far separated, and what we got at the end of the Justice League uh, Snyder Cut was so damn good with Jared Leto as the Joker so had we seen more of that maybe we would have seen more of that you know like had we seen more of it originally um, but we didn't unfortunately we, we got stuck with what we got stuck with but I think there's potential to have the Joker be m- more behind the scenes at least for the next movie, and build it up as something for the third movie, potentially. Okay. I I, um, I don't Andy. Know.
2: What do you think of the Joker reveal, casting, all that kind of stuff?
3: So I've
0: seen this guy in two movies. I've seen him in Marvels, or uh, I'm sorry, not Marvels. Um, the Eternals, Eternal. and um, the Green Knight, and I just mm. liked his character in both. <laughs> <laughs> he particularly, did a very good job as an actor in either of them. In fact, he was sort of my negative moments in both of those movies. Um, (laughs) That being said, I wasn't a big fan of the Pattinson casting for this movie. So I feel like I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt and try to go into it with no preconceived notions of him sucking balls.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How much do you think we'll see of him going forward? Do you think he's going to be a secondary role like Mike's thinking or do you think he's going to be the main type of antagonist for maybe the next movie?
0: I honestly don't know where they're going with it this this series. So uh, I'm actually pretty excited to see where it goes because and the other ones they sort of give you a little bit of like breadcrumbs and stuff between yeah. between the movies. This this one we really didn't get much other than like the Joker and the Riddler are going to be friends in Arkham.
2: Yeah. Um, Josh did you chime in on the casting and reveal of Joker do you have anything else you want to
1: put on the chime in there with not particularly I mean the the first time I saw the kid was um in Dunkirk um, mm-hmm. which is the same year that the Sacred deer movie came out but I had seen Dunkirk first um I didn't ha- I, I remember our discussion about eternals and Andy specifically referencing the moment <laughs> when kumail has his line in the forest about Drewick sucks yes (laughs) yes he does that's right um so that feeling doesn't doesn't surprise me i i I think i'm kind of lukewarm on him i'm neutral Uh, he's a wild card to me and i think i like that for my jokers now yeah you know jared leto i would be the first to admit i made comments this might even be pre- podcast existing who knows but because that was or maybe it was around time because we started in 2015 that was 16 that leto felt like a good selection because he he seemed very versatile and he was like an actor's actor and you know you were curious to see what he would do heath ledger was a wild card like knowing the stuff i had seen him in prior to that i'm like heath ledger as the joker yeah. Okay, Chris Nolan, sure. <laughs> um, I don't know what to think of this dude. You know, I yes, I may have seen some things with him and have an impression, but not enough to really There's nothing about his choices in the character that I'm already preconceiving. Nothing is yeah. coming to mind like, well, I'll bet he'll do this, he'll sound this way, he'll act this in these mannerisms. Um So yeah, I think with everyone else just kind of giving them benefit of the doubt we'll see where it goes is anyone kind of just
2: rolling their eyes at like okay another joker like a, li- a, a little
1: yeah I, I, there's
3: but... a rogues gallery that as i said at the start is a mile deep yeah and a lot of them are but... really good they even reference hush in this movie and it's it's right there
1: <laughs> it's right there hush is one of the
3: best damn comics ever so yeah uh Go ahead Andy, were you Andy,
2: gonna sorry. say something
0: I was gonna say you could roll your eyes at oh god another Batman so
2: <laughs> well that too but point taken to yeah. be fair like I yeah would I mean really every like... version of this almost every version of Batman has to have their version of the Joker it seems like doesn't matter when they recast or do another version of Batman there's always a Joker floating around somewhere
0: well the two I would say that what the two that didn't were
2: Kilmer and Clooney right well presumably yeah. they're a continuation of. Keaton's, Keaton's Batman, right? Yeah, okay.
3: yeah I, I took that as a continuation, and also they only each had one movie, and neither movie was very good. So they didn't
2: really continue. I'll still go up to bat for Batman Forever. I still like that movie. I like
3: Batman Forever as well. The soundtrack makes you feel like you like that movie more than you like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: sometimes that's enough. We'll, we'll like, see uh...
3: during the Rewind
0: Theater, but I feel like I'm going to give it pretty good Score, Give me so. that
2: seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck you! <laughs> there's, there's that your was pun, awesome.
3: Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say something, but it doesn't matter. Just move on. <laughs> that, that's a good way to end
2: that. All right. So moving on with uh, some of the some of the other casts. Let's try to get into some of the other. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman. I thought she was also fantastic. She felt like I don't know, like crafty and feline without being like over the top cat. So it it worked for me. I think for this movie, she was the perfect Catwoman. Yeah. You know,
3: like, she did not need to be what Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman was with, like, the over-the-top catness of it. Like, having cats and long fingernails and a little subtle, like, you know, cat ear thing on the thing she wore. Like the beanie. Yeah, what I, whatever you want to call it. That that was enough. And it was like, this, this works. She's just a badass, you know... uh Cat burglar. Yes. (laughs) I don't know why I was missing that term in my head, but for some reason it was just not there at that moment. Um, She made it work. Um, And the rest of her storyline with Falcone was a twist I did not see coming because I don't think it's ever been done before. As far as I know of, I don't think that's Uh, anywhere in any comics. So her being, you know, Falcone's daughter was like, holy shit, that's awesome. That was an amazing twist and turn, and seeing her confront him later. Zoe Kravitz did an amazing job, and the character was extremely well-written. I I think that's one of the absolute highlights of the movie for me. Uh,
1: Josh, what do you think? Uh, I'd co-sign on all of that. My only surprise is how she's very cunning and she knows how to play her part and manipulate and whatnot. I was expecting a bit more of the thief cat burglar side of it to be president. Um didn't need to be constant like I think like the closest you really get is when she breaks into like the one guy's apartment to try to steal her friend's passport. Yeah. Um which it doesn't have to necessarily be a whole big part of her but like the reason she is and i guess like no one really directly calls her this per se but like the reason she is cat woman is because of the play on words of cat burglar and her propensity for that being part of her life and since there wasn't like a strong part of that there i'm not saying it was weak it just surprised me uh going in that it wasn't as present as i thought it was going to be but well, otherwise, I think I think what they did fit very well with the other characters in the story they were telling. I mean, yeah. if
3: not for Batman, she also does make away with two giant duffel bags of Falcone's or Penguin's money scot free. Mm-hmm. But Batman true. does stop her in that moment too. That is true. So I, I, I they they
2: played it a little bit, but she she almost like maybe not cat burglary, but almost like a long con for Falcone to get the money. Yeah, true. Which, you know, any good burglar
3: knows from Ocean's Eleven, that's how you do it. <laughs> uh, Andy, what did you think
0: of Catwoman? I, I, I really dug Zoe Kravitz, although I feel like the way she was swaying her hips, she's her hips have got to be sore, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, even like in the most normal walking part, she was like, shush, shush, And I'm like, holy fuck, man, that, that girl's hips, she, she's got like going to an ice bath or something like it's crazy but
2: Shakira had it right Hips don't lie. <laughs> yeah
0: but um I-, I thought it was refreshing that they didn't rely too much on the cat burglar thing because it's always I don't know to me it, like Catwoman always gets like there's a heist and she gets caught and it's just I like that they had her doing that stuff but she had a lot of motivations that weren't just I'm broke or I want to steal things, like I'm a klepto. Yeah. So
3: I I enjoyed that. And I gotcha. One of the things I, I didn't say that I think is very good with how they handle the characters, usually Catwoman is a very much over-sexualized character. And in this case, we see the sexualization of the character being used in a way that is, I guess, shown in the negative light for what it is. Being used in the club that way. But as yeah. Catwoman, in the cat suit, in all the stuff, it's not sexualized. You know, her burglar outfit and all that and everything, it's not made to be what it is in the comics, what it is in a lot of other movies. The sexualization of the character is made to be seen as a negative influence and I think that's a very good mm. turn on how the character is handled. Yes, she's very attractive. Yes, she uses it to get information. But she does not go out into the night dressed stupidly sexy in heels for no fucking reason to burgle things. Yeah. She goes out
2: dressed appropriately for what she's doing. Um, we'll move on to Colin Farrell's Penguin which I had to continually, rem- I knew this going in, but had to still continually remind myself that that was Colin Farrell under the makeup. He, like,
0: he is downright unrecognizable.
2: Yeah, he, like, hats off to that makeup department because he just disappears in that role.
3: And I, I had actually watched a talk show. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Hot Ones, but he was, oh, yeah. was oh, uh, on an yeah, episode of Hot Ones. Um, I had actually watched before I saw the movie, and he talked about how refreshing it was for him to be able to disappear into the makeup and everything that they put him in much more than he does when it's just him. Yeah. You know I mean, when yeah, he's
2: just usually out someone cast Colin Farrell, they want to see Colin Farrell. Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> I mean, come on. Don't you remember him as bullseye? It was barely, you didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> All exactly. they did was shave his head. It was still Colin Farrell. <laughs> shave his head. Tell him to
3: drink a beer and throw
1: stuff. And it's like,
3: this sounds like Colin Farrell, just in different I order had of operations. Crash. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to me, that was really cool to see him talk about how refreshing it was for him as an actor to get to fully let go because he was completely hidden.
2: Well, he liked it well enough that he's getting his own show. So that's happening.
0: So I have to ask. I haven't seen the episode, but how far did he get on the heat scale?
3: Oh, he did the whole thing. Did he? They've only. Yes. I, I think that show has only had like five or less people actually give up and call did it he, um, did, like Was he taking it pretty rough, though? No, he seemed fine. He oh, seemed well. okay. He didn't have that British palate <laughs> the way Gordon the Gordon Ramsay did. <laughs> I would still watch the episode. It's pretty it, good. Honestly, his, celebrity sweat.
0: <laughs> his
3: insight to acting when he's talking in that episode is well worth watching. Just the way he talks about it is very refreshing, Is to as opposed to what you hear from a lot of other people. So, uh, Andy, what did you think of Penguin? I, I, I really dug him,
0: and it, when the credits started rolling, and I saw Colin Farrell, it reminded me that we had done a podcast about the casting of Colin Farrell as the Penguin, <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, I did know that somehow. Like, so, you
2: forgot about it up until you saw the credits, yeah,
0: because it just like it, nothing about the character resembles or reminds you like even his voice inflections were yeah he so puts on a voice for different. that too it's, yeah it it's it just it, it it blew my mind a little bit and I like I think my jaw dropped and I was like it's Colin Farrell."
1: <laughs> um as we were watching uh Sarah had said you know if you look at the eyes you can still see it about two seconds after she said that he was gone again <laughs> like, I, like at least for me, like I had to strain and and really hone in, kind of on on his, not even just the look of his face, just just the eyes a little bit, where where, where you see you know an actor use the the, the 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 same muscles, the same dilation in conjunction with some similar facial expression, like you could kind of see it punch out a moment here or there. Other than that, no, he, he was gone. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you would not know who that person is. I'm very interested to see
2: what they do with his series for HBO max. Is it going to be like a sequel series to bridge the gap between two movies? Is it a prequel series? I mean, the the movie lets off basically he's going to inherit Falcone's crime syndicate, I guess, like fill the void
1: after mm-hmm. Falcone has gone. So that th- could be the series. And yeah, I think that would kind of have to be it. Because otherwise, if you're if you're telling a prequel, you either have to bring John Turturro back to tell right. time while he's with him, or you're telling of a period even before that. Yeah. To be fair, you like I was thinking sequel, and it makes sense to lead into
2: the
3: next Batman with a sequel. But you said bring John Turturro back as Carmine Falcone, which we'll talk <laughs> about. I'm sure in Brian's list eventually there. Yep. But I'd be a hundred percent in for that, just because of getting more of that. Um but having well let's just go to just get
2: a Falcon now. Well, I, mean, I was going to give think f- of...
3: my final opinion on Penn. Okay. And that is I put it right up there with Ledger's Joker. You are going to be very hard pressed to get a better, better representation of this in a realistic movie. The other representation we have is Danny DeVito. Yeah. And that was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love Tim Burton, but what the fuck was that? Um, it, when I think back on it, I just think, well, God, okay. But this version of, of the Penguin, I think, is basically flawless for what the character is supposed to be. And from an acting standpoint and everything, writing, acting, down the line, I think this is handled perfectly. And where we see it go from here, as the penguin comes into true power, I think is so. Re- it's even really an origin telling.
2: story for penguins too, really, to get him to where he needs, where he's used to being.
3: Right. So, that, I just wanted to make sure that was said because this was it was way better than I was expecting when I heard Colin Farrell was cast.
0: Yeah. I think the only negative I would say about it would have been that I would have liked to see him have a more noticeable gait. Or see,
3: I felt like he did. I felt like I, his I, mannerisms, I like the way I he moved like his he, arms constantly,
0: like he still I, I didn't, but like, I didn't feel like he had any sort of like
2: gimp wobble to, yeah.
1: so Maybe, maybe that's the
2: origin story in the series, how he gets maybe. the limp. And could, I, I would
1: agree. Be. I would agree with Andy on that because it seems like he already sort of has that nickname amongst the underground and yeah. amongst oh, yeah. the people yeah. who know him. But like, okay, other than he's like kind of a portly person with a body shape, why?
0: Right. Yeah. It just like there's there's. You're right. Like, did did he murder people with penguins? So they call the no. like, like, him the penguin. Like, your mind was there because you're sleeping forty four below. You're sleeping with the fishes, the fishes that, are, that the penguins are eating, so they're gonna eat you. Like, well, keep going. Let's do like, yeah. let let him let, them, let them riff. Yeah, <laughs> with freaking lasers on their head. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't
2: know. laughs> um, all right, we'll move on to Falcone. John Turturro. What do you guys think of uh, Falcone? Start I, with Andy. He always goes last.
0: <laughs> okay, Andy. I I don't know that I knew that he was going to be in this, and I I really am a fan of John Totoro. and we might have talked talked about it, but I don't I don't remember that kind of stuff. But um, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I <laughs> I think he did a really good job. I I thought he he plays a lot of like comedic supporting actor roles uh, and i feel like he doesn't get to play a character like this very often because he's more or less typecast in a lot of the roles that i that i've seen him in at least so it, i mean it's it always was,
2: transformers right transformers immediately comes to mind for him that's what i think of the is jesus that,
0: to me is, oh is, yeah okay from, that's another one yeah, yeah so it just seeing him in this uh or oh brother where art thou i thought he was awesome mm-hmm. at that
3: but I always wow. think of Lebowski personally. That's
1: Yeah, yeah. I think of Quick oh, Yeah, I don't know. I, I go all over the place. Quishow, <laughs> Barton Fink. She can But
0: make... I, I really enjoyed his role in this and I thought he played Falcone very,
1: very well. Uh Josh, what do you think? I, actually same as Andy's impression, of all the castings, either I knew it and just completely forgot it at some point. Um didn't retain it or just never knew it. So the first time he walks on screen, um, I'm trying to think when he's introduced, you're aware who he is, right? Like he walks in the room and and yeah, everyone around him, the setting, you understand he's Carmine Falcone, right?
2: He come. I think the first introduction to him is in the in the the club within the club, right? The 44. When yeah. when Catwoman has the the lens in her eye. Yeah, and you see him in yeah. the dark. And
1: I think, I can't remember if his face is revealed when he gets closer to her or not, because it's in the, the dark of the club. But but in that moment, you understand who he's playing. Right? Yeah. Who, okay. Um. So once I see him, y- yeah, I'm like, oh my God, Totoro is in this and he's that guy? And, you know, it, it's early on enough, not like super, but early on enough that I didn't expect him to play as big of a, a part in all the intertwined proceedings as, as he did. And I I was happy about, I'm with, I'm with Mike on that. Like he, like every scene I'm like, wow, I never, like you asked me to cast 20 people in a role after seeing, um, I'm going to do the actor such a disservice. The guy who plays him in Batman begins, um, after seeing, I can't think of his name, but yeah, yeah, like after seeing his portrayal, um, if you would have asked me, yeah, cast 20 people, I never, like, Totoro wouldn't have even come to mind, so he it, it wouldn't have even considered, but man, he knocked it out of the park. Mike, what do you think? Uh, you know, when I seen the original
3: casting, there was two roles they had cast, and I said to myself, I have no doubts that's going to be a fantastic performance, and this was one of them. Um... I can't think of a single time when John Turturro has performed poorly in anything. The guy is as good as an actor can get. He is reliable. He is very much typecast in a lot of ways, but he I, it's like Gary Oldman. He can put on any face that you ask him to. And he will yeah. put it on and he will be that and you will be like, holy shit, he was good as that. And this did not disappoint. He was perfect as Carmine Falcone. Um, the other one, I'm sure we'll talk about soon, but this was one I had no doubts about whatsoever.
2: Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was really good. I he felt like slimy and and such a great like mobster guy in the best possible way. So I was glad that he was in there. I'm I'm sad we won't see more of him. Like, I'm kind of surprised they killed him.
3: Yeah. That's kind of Carmine Falcone's role in Batman, though, isn't it? Although, assuming, I like, guess. Maroney's yeah. locked up, it, it yeah. did kind of play in a different respect that way. Maroney yeah. was the fall guy, I guess, in this case.
0: But
2: um, Who else we got? Uh, Jeffrey Wright's Commissioner Gordon. Uh, Mike, you're nodding your head. Is this your other casting that you were like, yeah, that'll be fine? That was my other casting, yes. That was the other one. I, as soon as I saw that, I said, yep, that's fucking
3: perfect. I love this casting. Um, Jeffrey Wright is awesome. And he fits into Gordon extremely well. Um, having said that, I was actually a little more disappointed with this than I would have thought I would have been. Which is maybe like 5% disappointed. I, I was expecting zero. And I got a little bit where I was like, damn. Gary Oldman was a lot better as Gordon. And Why do you say that? I just, I don't know. I just felt like he was like, I enjoyed Oldman's performance as Gordon better than I did this Jeffrey Wright version, which I think we're going to get a better look at what he can do in the future with this trilogy that we're going to have. I think we're going to get to see more of what he can do. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from the way they handled Gordon and Batman's relationship. Being much more open, and yes, Batman's going to openly inspect our crime scenes, and the relationship that came from that. Yeah. Being more open as opposed to secretive, I think is. I think it's more the writing than Wright's performance. If that <clears> makes okay. sense. That kind of didn't work for me. But again, this is still a 95% to the good, and just that yeah. little. What
2: was that about? you know, uh Andy, what do you think?
0: I thought he did a really good job. I enjoyed seeing him sort of try to figure things out the same time Batman was presented the same evidence and seeing how they sort of came up with different things. yeah, I don't know, it was almost like they were teaching each other how to how to figure it out okay yeah I, I, yeah i enjoyed the um uh what am i trying to say here um the cooperative nature of their of their roles in in the movie uh i would say i'd i'd put them on par with oldman only because i feel like we didn't get a lot of good oldman in batman begins but he got a lot better in the two other movies so I feel like there's only good coming
3: there's room to yeah. grow yeah and I yeah I want to see that growth
1: uh Josh what do you think uh I liked it I I would there there was and I th- maybe in the same way that Mike said there was like an element missing to the Riddler I felt maybe something similar to commissioner gordon not jeffrey wright's portrayal per se but what they what what the movie asked of him was was lacking a little bit um the one thing that i really dug that was a dynamic that we've never seen is how does this person if and if i understand like at the at the at this time we're entering the story he is commissioner gordon correct no No. the commissioner gets killed in this
0: He's never Commissioner Gordon. In this yeah, he's just a detective. He's not. Okay, he's just like never. a
1: senior detective.
0: Yeah. Or just a regular, yeah, gumshoe. Okay.
1: um, So there's some... The dynamic, in any case, then, of somebody on the police force having to be the barrier between the rest of the police force and Batman and not in the way that Gary Oldman did of basically keeping him hidden and secret and safe while still cooperating and collaborating and, you know, both working toward the same goal, but like having to be the guy, like I vouch for him. We, we, we need him. Yeah. You know, regardless of what you think, you know, and, and having to play that, um, that's not something we've, we've really been presented before. Um, I think in in the in the we'll call it the Tim Burton franchise there's very clearly moments where that commissioner Gordon is very friendly and familiar with with Batman but not in my opinion as much of like yep come into the crime scene where the other 20 guys are trying to do their job and this you know dynamic public opinion of do people like what you're doing, or do we want to arrest you for everything right this minute? That's never really been presented, so I appreciated that. Well
2: I guess the difference is that there's this is probably the first crime scenes where there's something directly addressed to
1: Batman. Yeah, but I got the, definitely the sense that even if that hadn't been a part of it, like this was not the first crime scene he went to was the mayor's body. you know, in the last two years, there's been something where he's been there before. Uh, see, I took it to mean that that was the first. I think I interpreted it the other way. Or may- maybe it was the first where it was so blatant. Like, obviously, it's a high-profile public person. So a lot of the police force is there. And maybe it was the first that was so stark. Maybe. But, you know, other times, like, people know Jim Gordon is kind of friendly with this Batman thing. We've seen him places. He's been in, you know, he's been at crime scenes before. Yeah. Well, which makes you wonder, I guess, where the bat signal
2: came from, right? Like it's not on P D it's not on Gotham P D. It's just in some building somewhere in
1: a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. That that it seems at least that I took it that Gordon is pretty much the complete owner and manager of. Right. Like no one else utilizes it. Nobody else does it for any other purpose. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I like Jeffrey Wright. I thought he did I thought it was really cool seeing the two of them and maybe that goes with the openness you guys are talking about that you make not like or did like but uh that the two of them like solving the crime together i liked having the not a buddy cop type of thing but just playing off of each other to figure out the clues and and move the story along and stuff like that i thought it was pretty cool i
0: i would like to add one thing um i really enjoyed the fact that he earned his precinct's trust through the movie and in turn their trust for batman increased
3: oh yeah yes that's a good point yeah they they started rooting out the along with the riddler rooting out the corrupt members and you could see you know who was taking batman's side and gordon's side and who wasn't and it was you know not as dividing as you would think and it was you know, a very good way of pointing out that few bad apples thing that gets talked about so often. And it was like 95% of the precinct was perfectly fine, but a few people in these power positions were extremely corrupt and pushing things in certain directions. And once they were eliminated in a not so fair way, they were able to kind of write the direction of the police force. And I think that was a a really cool statement they made and having Gordon and Batman be the driving force behind it as opposed to the more hateful message that the Riddler was delivering. I think that was a really important way of saying it.
2: Yeah. Uh last cast member I'm gonna bring up is uh Andy Circus's Alfred. Um Andy, what do you think of Alfred? Of all the
0: characters that we've mentioned, I feel like they don't give Alfred enough to do in this movie.
2: I agree. He's the one I think I wished we saw more of.
0: Yes, and I feel like they, they miss. This is like the... I have a few negative things about this movie, but the big negative for me, and it's not even very big, is I would have liked to have seen something at the end, like after he parts, or even after he's, I'm assuming, spending days and days pulling people out of the rubble that he goes back to Alfred. I would have liked to have seen like a scene of just like a just beat up and tired Batman going back and having Alfred just sort of like put his arm around him or something.
2: I well, would Alfred would probably liked... still be in the hospital, I guess, at that point, right? Maybe the hospital visit maybe. maybe.
0: But you just I would have liked to have seen just a wee bit more a little bit of closure on the the Alfred Batman thing because the last thing and I was you trying see to think of, last thing you see of him was the, the hospital bed so
2: right yeah. yeah and I was trying to think like why why does it feel like there's not a lot a lot of Alfred and the only thing I could think of is I don't know if the time if like the scheduling happened this way but Andy Serkis had to direct Venom 2 was that when filming was going on so maybe he could not just wasn't available for stuff so they just gave him a smaller part
3: I also feel like that just plays into the fact that there's not a lot of Bruce Wayne
2: well, that could be too, yeah. So,
3: you know, typically Bruce and Alfred re- interact a lot more than Batman and Alfred
2: do. So, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, what did you think of Alfred? I
3: thought I was going to like Andy Serkis as Alfred a lot more than I did. I love Andy Serkis, okay. but I feel like he was miscast here. He, if there's a lot of things that he portrays in movies and he's really good at, being that fatherly figure didn't sell for me. It, it for me. I just didn't buy him as a fatherly uncle or whatever, like a parental figure, looking like okay. I just it just didn't work. Although they admit in the movie that's what
2: Alfred is struggling with, right? right? Yeah, so, they they say well,
0: like I couldn't te- I couldn't be your father, but I could t- teach you how to fight,
3: right? And I feel like they're they're presenting what a lot of parents struggle with themselves. In that sense, it's like, man, I didn't really know how to be a parent. And I feel like a lot of parents deal with that. I feel like there's a very parental feeling to not know what the fuck to do. So I taught you what I know. And I feel like that's what parents go through. I'm not a parent, but I feel like, isn't that what parents do? And like, I feel like that's kind of a parental arc. So you're saying he did do that or didn't do that? I'm saying like he had that parental arc. That I just didn't buy. Okay. Does that make sense? Like they gave him a parental arc. I just never bought him. Having the parental touch. That they tried to give him. Okay. And. I don't know. It just. I, I feel like. It wasn't bad. But it wasn't as good as I usually expect from Andy Circus. Like nor like when you tell me Andy Circus isn't something, I'm expecting him to be a five star performance because feel, that's what we almost always get.
0: I feel like some of that might be just because of lack of screen
3: time. It could be, and I feel like it's the same thing I say about Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne. It's if we see more Bruce Wayne and Alfred together, my opinion on that could change. I don't. Yeah, know, hopefully I, we'll
2: get more
1: in follow-up movies or something yeah uh josh what do you think sort of the same i i was surprised like if you alfred is almost as iconic of a character in the capacity of these stories as as bruce wayne and batman is and so you select that person very deliberately and very carefully um i i agree i i think just the screen time the, his his role in things. so, like in the hospital scene after he's hurt and Bruce shows up, and their whole exchange to me did not really land. like i, mm-hmm. I did I didn't feel like the emotional impact between the two like it, it wasn't earned yet, like you were relying on a lot of hopefully prior understanding of the character and their life events and whatnot to get you to that moment but we're not really understanding what role has alfred played in bruce's decision to become batman and su- how and if and to what extent does he support his activities both yeah. both um emotionally and practically um so when he when he's hurt even even like right off the bat like I was even shocked like one of the first interactions if not the first that you get with the two is Bruce being shitty to him Mm -hmm. and like comes right out the gate of like you're not my dad like in Dark Knight Rises you got that in the third movie you got that break between Christian Bale and Michael Caine after a trilogy after you watch them go through this journey together after you understand that there's an immense time lapse between stories for whatever, re- and however you feel about that Bruce Wayne making that decision at the time is irrelevant. It's, it's you, un- you're along, you've been along for the journey. You understand how they got to this point. I, I don't understand why the animosity is there already. It's very palpable, it's very strong. And then when it gets to that, that moment, you lied to me, all these things like, yeah, okay, I get you, I get you there. You want to confront him, even though, yeah, you're glad he's alive. But primarily, you want to yell at him first, okay? But the whole thing that occurs between them in that scene, and it's mostly due to, right? Just Alfred not really. I hate that. Like Alfred's not important. I guess for this story, yeah, he does take a back seat, right? And it's fine. He doesn't have to be per se. Then, as we've said in a couple in a couple spaces here, hopefully, the next story makes this aspect of it better yeah you know seeing what happens later um but with what we've got so far i i didn't dislike it per se but there was nothing about it that said like yep that's why you cast andy circus yeah i
2: i guess i'd agree with that i still think he did a good job though i i and maybe i'm just looking at more potential stuff like i'm just i'm looking to the next movie and knowing that this is the the first step like, you know, act one of a story. So right. I'm expecting we're going to see more and maybe there will be more to do with. And I think it does suffer just from lack of screen time for the character. I think if we had more time, um, it would help. But it, yeah, I think he's, he's one of the ones that got the short end of the stick.
0: And I agree with you guys that that, that scene was a, a little awkward. But I feel like that might have been, if not the first time, one of the few times that they've actually like had a heart to heart. Since Bruce lost his parents.
2: Which I guess neither one of them are probably good at it, which is why maybe it kind of sucks. I feel
0: like that might have been sort of like a natural feeling there. Intended.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like by the end of the trilogy, I feel like I'm hoping they get their Fernie Branca moment. You know, we go through the whole Dark Knight trilogy with Christopher Nolan and they have that moment at the very end of Dark Knight Rises where we, you know, you see Michael Caine's Alfred and Christian Bale's Batman and Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, and you see that Fernie Bronca moment where he talk like he talks to him about it earlier in the Dark Knight Rises and tells him about it. And he's like, I hope someday you can let go. And you have all that stuff. And I hope whatever they build it up to between Alfred and Bruce in the next couple of movies can give us a relationship that felt as complete as theirs did in that trilogy. So far, I think, you know, part of I the, think they have an okay start. I just, I need to see more
2: develop. I do think a lot of the screen time that probably would have went to Alfred went to, uh, Jeffrey Wright's Gordon. Yeah. Right. Alfred is the sounding board for Batman. Yes. Batman was using Gordon as that sounding board in the story.
3: Yeah, so I, I, I just for the character Alfred and for Andy Circus as an actor, I'm hoping that there's better in the next two.
2: Yeah. Um. Josh, do you think this is the best directed Batman movie?
1: Um, the best direct. Uh, no, I would, I would say it is on par and in different ways it's like it's apples and oranges let's start out with that um but uh, it's a
2: loaded question to be fair
1: oh yeah very much (laughs) um but these things cannot be put right next to each other um would i say is this better directed than any of the burton era four of those yes even even the first one yes um is it on par at least with any of Nolan's, I'd say, yeah. I mean, it like this movie is like, like Reeves directed the shit out of this. Yeah, I agree. Like, <clears throat> if, if if the director has to be accountable for the some parts of all the individual pieces, yes, he did an an amazing job.
2: Uh, Andy, what'd you think? Direction I th- for the movie. I th- think that you
0: could make an argument for it, this being one of, one of the best directed Batman movie
1: I think it's in the running
0: for sure I and I'm not trying to rip uh, Tim Burton but his his movies are never really super well directed uh, from an at from a point of like getting good shots or getting good performances from his actors they're okay uh, artistically, he's very, very good. But they have a style I, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, stylistically, I guess, or artistically. Um. This, I feel like he just he had everything just fit so well together. He he knew all the pieces of the puzzle and he put it together well.
2: I feel like there's there's something about this one compared. Like I don't think <clears throat> Nolan's movies are badly directed. I think they're very well directed. This is the first Batman movie I felt like it felt like an auteur director. Like mm. this felt like someone with a tone and a style that they were not making a, I don't know how to describe it, but not making like a Batman movie fit their style. It was making their style fit a Batman movie. Mm. I, I don't know. I But even just the stuff like lighting is something that I noticed in this one that I don't think I realized in other Batman movies, like the, even just the like tonally dark, sure, but like how everything is shot at night in the dark, like you can in the way they he plays with like the color red is prevalent throughout this movie, oh, just yeah. black and red yep. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something that I feel like I can point to other Batman movies and say, "Oh yeah, they they made a choice there," and that's all over the movie. Uh, Mike, what do you think of the direction?
3: Uh, you know pose the question of do i think it's the best directed batman movie i i would say yes and no and yes from a perspective of did it accomplish what it was trying to do in a unique way and do it successfully yes did i necessarily enjoy the choices that were made not as much Um, the washed out tone and colors and things like that that you get that are very intentional and very much a part of what they're trying to do i personally didn't enjoy as much um i felt very often as though it was trying too hard to be what it was like it was it was taking it just that step of like here's what i am and then we're gonna do it even more you know like it like, the to me, I, the the scene that keeps coming back to mind is the one at the funeral for the mayor. Yeah. That was so intentionally gray-green that I just kind of rolled my eyes at it. Like, the whole building, nothing looked modern, nothing looked like it actually does today. We're supposed to believe it's happening in this world that we live in today with all this high-end technology that Bruce is using, and that the mayor's and all this stuff is happening and we have like a lens filter basically over the entire scene. And it felt either do a noir or don't to me. Like, like you were trying too hard in that moment to be a noir without being noir.
2: Like if it went, you don't think he nailed the noir tone that he was going for. I feel like he didn't go all in on it. I feel like he went 80% from noir. And then what, do you want literally black and white like what where are you looking for If you're going to go
3: as far as he went you get what I'm saying like he went so far without really committing I guess Does that make
2: sense? I guess I'm not sure what part falls short for you. On what? The noir aspect of it. Is it just the color tone?
3: I mean, there's the color tone. There's the, I guess, usually noirs are not necessarily modern set. You know, usually that's something that we look to the past in. And, you know, there, it it felt, it felt off to me as a noir. Like, as that type, it just didn't feel like it hit the notes that it's supposed to hit. Like, it was trying to represent an old-timey feel in modern day. And the modern day parts, I feel like... You know, like a lot of the modern technology and stuff kind of washed out a bit of what... could have... made it more... feel more like a true noir. And then you have, like I said, like, there's certain scenes where i'm trying to like think like it it just it does and it doesn't want to be that and when it does it feels because it's not fully committing it feels like when it does want to do it it goes too hard into it and when it doesn't it just forgets that it's trying to do that in moments like i guess i think to the penguin chase scene with the batmobile which is unfortunately really the only action we get with the batmobiles that one scene fucking yeah. awesome batmobile in this movie. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, the no, the sound <laughs> of oh, the the sound the jet engine that he actually built like we see the parts that he builds on the back of it and everything and then we see the, like he actually did it kind of wrong because he tries to like take off and then it doesn't work. Um you know like it, when he's about to chase the penguin and it kind of stalls out a little bit. <laughs> That, to me, was a great moment of, like, damn, he really doesn't know how to build a jet engine, but he's learning. (laughs) But, like, that scene, to me, steps out of the noir. It steps out of the tone of the movie. And there's, you know, there's a couple others like that that step out from where they're at in the rest of the tone, where it's, like, just either fully commit to it or don't. For me. I'm not saying, okay. you know what I mean, like, it, it may not be accurate in terms of, you know, full film study or anything like that, but to me, it felt like it stepped out of its own tone and tried to make up for it in other scenes. And okay. other than that, I, I think, like I said, I think it does what it tries to do very good, but it's not necessarily my own personal preference. Gotcha. Okay. Um. So, like, you know, I still think The Dark Knight is probably the best directed, and like best put together all around, but I'd say this is a solid second. Yeah. Um. But personal again issues, not
2: necessarily expert. Opinion. Yeah, I think I I think it's up there for me. I definitely like the way they he shot it. There's, I I don't. I always feel like I have to watch some of the other ones just to, just to have a comparison because it's been a while since I watched even even Nolan's Batman's. So I think it's been a while, but. Maybe just because this one's fresh in my mind, this one felt like it had a lot of like shots that just felt like comic book shots to me, and a lot of that played with the darkness and the like the one that always comes to mind right off the bat is where the beginning of the movie where he goes to fight the the gang of guys picking on the guy coming off the subway, and Batman slowly stands up in front of everybody, and all you see is the back of with the cow and just he starts to get taller than everybody. That shot specifically is a comic book page, like the way that's framed and everything. And I think there are numerous shots like that, and I think it just plays the way he plays with the darkness. I think in the lighting, a lot of that stuff that's in the dark feels like comic book shots to me. Specifically, like the 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 when he goes to get Falcone and he comes out of the elevator in the dark hallway and the the action sequence that he has with the the gangsters that are there, and the only lighting you get is the muzzle flashes from the gun. That was... I can see
0: such an awesome every scene. one of
2: those <laughs> muzzle flashes being like a comic panel like yeah. all of that felt comic booky to me and looked fucking amazing did he also not get incredibly lucky he didn't get
3: shot in the mouth like 20 times during that whole <laughs> <scene>? like <laughs> yeah. i feel like that's the only that. unguarded part several and I'm seeing times how many hundreds of bullets probably fired off in that scene it's like one of them would have got him
2: in the mouth. I mean, it's that's like that's fun. Batman though. Like every Batman has the mouth open, so everybody gets lucky not getting shot in the face. So <laughs> that's Did, a complaint it, I bat could Fleck easily easily Superman Superman discard.
3: Had the mouth open, didn't he? What's that? Like the 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 super bat suit that Batfleck had against Superman, even that had the mouth yeah. left open. Yeah, yeah. Superman could like, have busted his jaw in one punch and
2: been done. Yeah. Uh, So just speaking of the action sequences too, do you guys have a favorite? Anything stood out to you? What do you guys think of the action? There's not a lot of action. I feel like it's very spaced out, but when it happens, it is great. I loved every single one of those sequences.
0: My favorite scene was probably the the only scene we get with the Batmobile.
2: That's the one that stands out for me too.
0: Yeah, when he's chasing the penguin, I just thought that entire scene from score to sound effects to explosions to acting. I just thought that was so phenomenally done. When I listen
2: to the soundtrack, that's the cue that I listen to over and over again is the chase sequence music from that scene. I think it's awesome. Yeah, the, the Batmobile some of the coming shots they get
3: through the for explosion... The, that chase. Yeah, that was it. Like, it, and you get like that moment of like Penguin's reaction to it, seeing it in the rear view or side view or whatever he sees in it at the time, just being like, "Oh shit!"
0: Because he's so excited, Which,
3: he's like, "He's like, yeah,
0: yeah, I did it,
2: yeah!" And then he's like,
3: "Ah, fuck!" <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which talking to a couple of people, maybe Josh can attest to this. I, and I don't know, Mike and Andy, where you guys fell on trailer watching and stuff. But the second trailer s- spoiled that part of the chase. The, the second trailer ends with Penguin thinking he gets the Batman, and he comes out of the fire over the trailer and rams him in the back. Oh, didn't it didn't ruin it trailer. for Which, me, though. I didn't see that trailer, so that was all new to me, and that's why it was friggin' awesome.
3: I, I honestly feel like I saw it, but forgot it by the time I saw the movie, so it, di- it, it didn't okay. ruin it, but...
2: Yeah, I was I was clearly on... Definitely on media blackout mode at that point, so I missed that part, so I was glad that it was still new to me. But yeah, I think the the and I saw the movie in in the Dolby Theater in the Waterfront, and when that car revs up for the first time, the sound in that theater is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Like the sound design for the movie, especially for that chase sequence, is awesome.
0: I gotta go see it there. That would have been cool.
2: Like rumble your ass type of rev <laughs> when that thing goes up. Like it's it is great. Uh,
1: Josh, any action stuff stand out for you that you liked? Other than that, honestly, not. I I, I don't really like no there's not a whole lot coming to mind that actually occurred there's like there's the subway fight there's the car chase and then the 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 arena sequence at the end like there's not a lot in my mind that stuck with me other than those it's a little bit entering the club for the first time yeah that was pretty good
3: too. oh yeah that's true yeah hearing the aluminum bat bounce off of batman
2: <laughs> it was like oh that should have hurt but it didn't because bullets also bounce off But ooh. It was a it was a little thing I think for not action sequence wise, but like when the two times that Batman and then Bruce go to the club and they answer they go to the door the same way. Yeah. Like Batman open they they open the door, it's Batman, he goes, Do you know who I am? And then it's like, Oh, it's Batman and then they he has to go in and fight everybody. And then Bruce comes back later, says the same line, Do you know who I am? Oh shit, it's Bruce Wayne, let him in. Like <laughs> yeah. that I thought that was funny. Um yeah, I think the even the like the the fight scene in the club and stuff like it's Nolan I think it maybe was a, a restriction with the suit. Some of the fight scenes with Nolan's Batman are cut very chaotically. It's hard to tell what's going on. It's very close up, quick cuts. They try to shoot it wide, but they're still cutting around everything that it's really hard to tell what's going on. They do some nice not really long takes but long enough to know that it's a choreographed sequence that you can see the action what's going on even in the dark club with just red lighting like you can tell how the fight sequence is going and i appreciate stuff like that i thought that was really cool which i think they put that clip online too so if you're curious i think you could re-watch that somewhere and i think like that first
3: fight scene we get at the very beginning of the movie it's very visceral you know the way that you see it feels like a very real fight as opposed to a lot of movie fights that you see you know, where somebody gets hit and they, go, ah, you know, you get the, you know, the, the, the scream and you get a very real feel to it when he like throws that last guy down. and just, Or the first guy, he grabs the first guy and like annihilates him.
2: but v- Sets the stage for everybody else. Yeah. You know what did your buddy like, here? <laughs> okay, do
3: you want to do this or not? And it's very, very visceral. The sound design on the way he hits that guy and the way it looks is so good that you know you even feel intimidated. I know if I see Robert Pattinson in my actual life I am not going to be the slightest bit intimidated by this guy. <laughs> but him as Batman in that scene I'm like, "Oh shit.
2: He can fuck I some remember people that being, up." You know, that was the 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 moment in the first trailer mm-hmm. that everyone was like, "Oh shit, this Batman is going to fuck some people up."
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I appreciated that he he doesn't he didn't um Study under the uh Liam Neeson like character, League and, and like, League of Shadows. So he he wasn't quite like a ninja yet, or whatever. He was very he's just much a brawler. Just brawler, yeah, and I, yeah. I I love that. Taking hits, but dishing out way more punishment than he's taken.
2: And he was getting much more pissed the longer that fight went on. Yeah, yeah like, like, the why more are still at him. he's just getting more mad. Yeah. Um. I don't know why I'm thinking about this now. This is a, this is a subtle Bruce Wayne thing that they did in the movie that I don't think I'd seen in any other ones. So the movie sets up that you know Bruce Wayne has only been basically Batman. He's not being Bruce Wayne, and if he is Bruce Wayne, he's staying inside and sleeping all day. Staying out like he's a, he's a nocturnal animal. Mm-hmm. So when Alfred wakes him up to be at breakfast or whatever for the people that are coming to the door, and he's in the kitchen or at the at the table with Alfred, Bruce Wayne puts on sunglasses indoors in the morning because the light just bothers his eyes now because he goes out at night all the time. It was a subtle thing. I dug it. I just wanted to point it out. <laughs> um, music. I know we talked about the music a little bit and maybe Josh specifically. They continued to use Nirvana throughout the movie. I was waiting for
1: it. Um, what did you this think? This was used in the first trailer and I forgot about it. And when it opens the movie, <laughs> I literally, one of the first things I thought was we talked about uh, the use of their music in Black Widow. And then recently we talked about something else where I didn't retain a lot of information about the music to which you then said, well, I guess if it's not Nirvana, you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like 20% truth there. So uh, yes, when, when this opens, and honestly, it there's not a lot that they did like they added some extra instrumentation, like a little bit of different additional arrangement, but otherwise that is just track 12 from nevermind Mm -hmm. just on display playing at pace. It's not slowed down. It's just what it is. And it fits so damn well. From what I thought I read
2: is that Matt Reeve used that, that song as part of the pitch for like the tone
1: of the movie and stuff like that. So it was built around that track. It wouldn't surprise me there's a couple uh things afterward that I've seen quotes attributed to him in, you know, the press junkets, etc going around that his one of the frames of reference for Reeves in what he feels this Bruce Wayne could be thought of or viewed by is akin to Kurt Cobain. Like he name drops oh, okay. and references Kurt in the way that he's kind of like a rock star recluse and he has this duality between what his efforts what like what he doesn't want like what he what he secretly wants being at odds with what he actually does and the effect that it has. Yeah. Um okay. And and that conflict there. And I can kinda get that through the the limited Bruce Wayne time, especially at Wayne Manor, that, that we yeah. do get with him. Um but yet yeah, music wise, even aside from that, which yeah, that's always gonna be a highlight for me, um, I like literally the whole movie, there was I don't I d haven't listened to the soundtrack anywhere, so I don't know if it's like called the Batman theme or whatever it is. There's a there's a, a, a mo a movement that plays Multiple times throughout the rest of that movie, that when it hits, like every time, it's just, I love it every single time.
2: Yeah, uh, Andy, what did you think of the the music, whether it's Nirvana or not? What did What did you think?
0: I I thought that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Honestly, I, I, I th-
2: score. What's that? Jacinto score or yeah, Nirvana? Yeah, both of them.
0: I, I thought okay. they, everything about the music was very immersive and and memorable. Because yeah. I've been immersed into into stories through the music before, but with like um, orchestrated sequences that weren't memorable. But this this like it really sticks out in my head. Like I can I can hear it right now. Just talking about yeah. it, I'm like, that was very well done.
2: I think it helped too that they they used it in the marketing, like the first trailer that theme was in the trailer. So you've heard it in everything that's come out since then. So it really starts to get ingrained almost in your head before you see the movie. And then when it finally comes up in the movie, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, this thing, yeah, let's go. Uh, Mike, what would you think of the, the music? Um, I like the
3: theme they chose. Um, You know, in spite of it sounding Darth Vader, I, I love it. It sounded great. It works for the character Um, on yeah. many levels. One thing I'd love to see, that we still have not seen a live action Batman do is incorporate the Batman, the animated series theme song, which to me is just so iconically related to Batman that just, yeah, just that hint of it, the way we kind of got to see, I guess, was it in both versions of justice league where they kind of sampled the Superman theme that John Williams did? I think, yes. you know, it, just a little sampling like that in there, just a hint in a nod or something like that would be so amazing because that theme is to me, I think of Batman and that's the first thing I hear when I think of a Batman song is right. the animated series. It'd be cool to hear that. It's not really a complaint that I didn't hear it. I'm just saying <laughs> in the future, please do it.
2: Somebody out there in you know, Batman directing. At this world, point we'll have to wait for another rebooted Batman. Probably. You never
3: know. They could, they could use it still. Um, in terms of the Nirvana thing, I i really love the use of it. Nirvana's amazing. This use of it's amazing. But at this point, I am calling my capacity for Nirvana in movies. <laughs> Specifically, we hit, comic that, we've hit book the movies. line. Well, we hit the line because we had Miss Marvel, we had Black Widow, and now we're getting Batman doing it. And I'm like, cool. It's awesome up to this point. Can we get some other 90s stuff going? Like, there is some other amazing 90s bands that we can touch on that aren't Nirvana. Spice Girls,
2: I know it, yeah. What'd you say?
3: Spice Girls, yeah. I, I mean, you. if you want to be, you can...
2: <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want yes. is some Spice Girls in my movies.
3: Well, that's your choice. I'm just saying <laughs> there's others out there that I would also like to see get featured. And it's, you know, there's a lot of really good options there I'd love to see as well. And I think the only one other, like, that used Nirvana that actually explored that was Miss Marvel, or Captain Marvel, rather. Captain Marvel, yeah. Like, that actually kind of explored some of the other 90s music that's available. I'd like to see that happen more. Just some more exploration. Like, it's an easy pick to go Nirvana. It's a good pick. It's a damn good pick. But it's an easy out. You know, I'm not saying we need deep cuts, but... There's a lot of other bands out there that could use some love too and i've I've hit my cap. I'm good with this, but I'm at my cap at least for a few years. I'd like to see if comic book movies
1: are gonna go to that well let's get let let's get somebody else in there. Let's get some other bands in yeah I, I'm gonna circle back there in a second, uh, but I'm gonna sidebar a comment for a comment you just made because uh in the recent news in the last what like two weeks ago, the actor who was Kevin. Kevin Conroy? Kevin Lee on Salute Your Shorts passed away. Oh, Ug Lee. Yeah. Ug Yeah. Lee Lee Ug. And in an article in Variety that was initially published, the person who wrote the article said that the show was on from 2001 to 2002. And then said that, you know, well, the show's been off air for 20 years. I think part of the problem is, pop culturally, people in their 20s and 30s even, like a lot of our peers in our 30s, aren't remembering that the 90s existed. <laughs> Early 30s, like, maybe. I, I, I don't Salute, know salute Your Shorts was 1991. She was 10 years off. <laughs> 10 years for something that only happened 30 years ago. So that's a pretty wide margin of error. Yeah. So maybe I mean, to part be of fair, that is playing into it as... Like, I think things moved in the early 2000s, like, iTunes changed things so fast that I I, I really do think people, like, people don't remember a whole lot. The Gen Z music
3: history goes from safety dance to in the club by 50 cent and, like, and that, they forget everything in between
1: right and and so like i mean that literally could could be I, part of true. it is like the the pop cultural contributions and just occurrences of that decade are, i i i've really become like non influential and inconsequential so far unfortunately history has forgotten you and your taste in music <laughs> I will not. I will throw out any of those deep cuts <laughs> that Mike was mentioning before. I, I feel like I, I genuinely
3: want to ask a, a legit Gen Z, not Ian, a legit Gen Z kid mm-hmm. who Sublime was and see what their response is. Just, just to find out Yeah. If, if I am as old and insignificant as I feel.
1: Whenever whenever you hear that phrase someone throw out, um, summertime and the living's easy, <laughs> are you singing it or are you just saying the words? <laughs> and are you singing it the right way? Um, swinging back to the to the composition. Um, so Sarah loved the music too, I think, and uh, she found something that she wanted me to share. Um, that there is a uh, predominant use of Schubert's Ave Maria throughout oh, the yeah. movie. In fact, in the interrogation scene, uh, Nygma just ends up like breaking out and singing it mm-hmm. i noticed that the second time but it opens the movie mm-hmm. correct and and it, it's present multiple times so part of this article that she found for me to share um i think would also really you know help us understand and explain to the listeners what uh what you think you're hearing and and, and really why it has the effect so i mean buckle in uh and this is actually mainly you know used for the riddler and and, and his theme and whatnot so The theme uses the first six-note pattern of Schubert's melody, but instead of rising to the major third on the fourth note of the phrase, (laughs) the Riddler's theme only rises to the minor third, creating an uneasy sonic atmosphere before falling semitone, before a falling semitone, leads us back to the phrase's starting note. So there it is. Or as I... that's why the...
2: Riddler theme is unsettling. Is that what we're supposed to get from that? Potentially, or as he said, music with, with
1: all the music in the entire movie. The the only way that I could put it in terms uh, to think of like why did I like it? All I came up with was uh, f- f- flats. They they used a lot of they used a lot of flat notes. <laughs> That's the best I got. Yep, sure, I I'd, I'd agree.
2: Sarah, like, screaming at you right now? Like, yes, she is. Fuck? She's like, right <laughs> here,
1: giving me eyes. Like, you better say many better things right now. <laughs> use all this lingo I've taught you over the years. Use it! Use
2: it now! Um, That was most of the stuff, I think, that I had. Josh, I realized we didn't circle back to your your pacing and runtime, whatever you wanted to talk
1: about earlier, so I don't know if you still have that at the ready, but... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, It's mostly... I felt that the movie was, story-wise, was building to the conclusion of what ended up being Falcone's murder. And only to realize, oh, that's just the end of Act Two. Yeah. The entire last hour, I did not see coming, and I felt like it was a bit of a slog. Um, Okay. I I think, to your point about like what you could cut out and whatnot, I I think you could still have just about everything happen in the movie that does, but I agree with you. I think you could cut out 30 to 45 minutes of this easy. I think it's just the the
2: slowness of scenes, but I guess that's kind of what they're going for. Like, I feel like if you sped up some scenes, you could probably get through it quicker or find stuff to trim around certain things. Like, it's just, it's incremental cuts, I think, that could shave that much time off, but... I agree. Like I said, I... Second time through I really thought if I was not crazy about the runtime the first time that the second time would be a slog and I didn't feel that way so I I there's less in my mind that it's like oh yeah you can get rid of that oh you can get rid of that like it it flowed better for me the second time so I don't I don't know I'd have to like really dissect it in another viewing and be like okay this is taking too long cut it this is
1: taking too long cut it doesn't contribute to what we're doing cut it yeah like maybe, if, maybe a second time will have give me that feeling I I will say I'm I was similar to Andy in in that it felt it did not feel necessarily like 3 hours but I felt like there had been so much story in those first 2 that like just just from a not not a time aspect but just a story beat aspect I'm like so much has already occurred they've hit so many beats along the way here like I've I've been it's a very dense three hours.
2: Yes. Yeah, I'd agree to that.
3: So, like, I feel like kind of what Brian said where there's little bits you could cut here and there that could make up a lot of save time. You know, just this scene that's got maybe 20 seconds of extra time that, you know, you have building the mood or something like that. Maybe we can do that in 10. You yeah. know, things like that I think would add up over time with this. But I also feel like Having watched the whole thing, most of the scenes, including Penguin, could just be entirely cut and not affect the outcome of the movie. I feel like it, like it's rather inconsequential. Like it may set up things in the future sequels, but I feel like for the plot of this movie, it all seems pretty. You know, like we could cover this. It, in, in in some exposition. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything that actually happens really affects the outcome. That couldn't have been an offhand line that we say here or there. Right. As opposed to a whole long scene. As much as I love that chase scene that we get, <laughs> I feel like it doesn't really... Where does it get us? Where does the whole Penguin narrative and arc actually get us? Other than... You know, and he doesn't even actually kill Falcone. So... Like if he actually killed Falcone, maybe that would lead us somewhere, but he tries to but doesn't. So where does it like what does it do other than set up a future for
2: the character? I think Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's the point. But I mean for yeah, this
3: I, movie, you know, contained within itself.
2: You know what I'm saying here? Yeah, and Andy, go ahead.
0: I think for uh a, a mo- like uh, the ultimate who done it likes to try to show the viewer who is the culprit of said crime but pointing you in directions where you wouldn't have thought or you would think that it might be like so yeah,
2: like keeping pieces on the board type of thing yeah
0: so you need okay. you need that scene with penguin because he's a piece on the board he's a suspect you you need okay. to have that otherwise you, you don't this this batman movie was very good in my opinion because it was a very a very good whodunit in, in the respect that the only thing that we know about the riddler is the same stuff that batman is seeing other yeah. batman movies you get like backstory you get specific scenes about building, like, the Riddler, or, like, Two-Face, or, or, you you get to see that before he gets to even interact with Batman. This, this showed us the Riddler through the eyes of Batman, and I I really dug that. I really thought that it was a very well-done detective whodunit, and I, I enjoyed finding out at the end, like, I felt like that last hour wasn't a slog, because I wanted to know
2: who? Why? Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, before we get to ratings, anything else you guys want to touch on that we didn't talk about yet? No, I think one thing just occurred to me. Uh, and I think we mentioned it at one point, but the 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 tech of the the eye lens, like the the contact lens that he puts in every night, and then watches the video back and take notes. I loved that aspect of Batman. I thought that was really cool. I-, I love the first
3: time we get a hint of that. We don't really see it actually doing anything, but we see him, like, stare at the one bloodstain in the crime scene. Yep. And yeah. I said, oh, there's something going on there. Like, I didn't know exactly what, but I was like, he just recorded that some way. Like, he's taking, like, he's getting this stuff
2: for himself. Yeah. And man, I didn't know how. Note, click. <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> And I didn't get it, I think, until the second time. But the the opening narration of that, like him visiting the crime scene, getting there, you know, sparking fear into the the criminal underworld, or how he wants to, and even the way that's all shot, like with uh, like other crime going on, and everybody looks at the shadows and just starts to get scared because they think Batman's gonna come out. Like that was very effective, the way that was shot. Um, that was a But cool the narration idea. over over that until he gets to the Batcave and takes the lens out is what he wrote in the journal for that day. Yeah. yeah. That, that, Which I didn't get, I didn't figure that out until the second viewing.
3: Th- like that, that opening bit of them being afraid of shadows that have nothing in them, that was a very, very cool way to open the movie. Yeah. Um,
2: that set the tone very well. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's get to ratings out of 10. Anybody on tap and ready to go for that? Or you got to think about it. Mike, you want to give us your rating out of 10? Sure. Um, I, I give it an 8.5 Um, okay. to me it's
3: it's it's right up there with you know the Nolan movies but I don't think it gets to that point just the way it, like I guess the same way like I look at the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises as being much better than Batman Begins I feel like this could be the start of where they build up to that next movie that is the you know, definitive movie for them from their Batman Begins. Yeah. Um, and Batman Begins is still great, and so is this. This is still great. I just feel like there's more potential here to grow than what we've actually already seen. I yeah. feel like I'm more excited for the future than I am to watch this one again.
2: Okay. Uh Andy, what do you think out of ten?
0: I'm gonna give it a nine point five.
2: Ooh, okay. Liked it that much?
0: Yeah, I I really did. I, uh, it's one of the few movies. I I have a feeling that this might be hard to supplant as number one movie for the year for me.
2: Ooh, okay. We'll see if that sticks because it's only March, so we got a long time to go.
0: I, I agree, but it a good way for me to tell whether or not I like the movie when seeing the theater is do I immediately want to go back to the theater to see this movie? And uh, yes, I just haven't done it. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. I'll just point, uh, Josh well, on, on that end. I'll just point out that uh, Michael Giacchino, who did the music for this, has done several Marvel films, but um, he's also doing Thor: Love and Thunder, mm-hmm. which comes out this summer. Oh, okay. So don't say that just yet, because you never know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I don't know why I really I really liked it a lot while I was there, and then I feel like it has. The immediate uh, effect has kind of fizzled a bit uh it's definitely in need of a rewatch uh hopefully during its theatrical run i mean i saw the news today as we're recording uh today that was already said that like by mid-april basically it's going to be uh on hbo max um i de- i want to see this in theaters again um before before i watch it on a tv um yeah so I-, I another one will help um I would love, I don't know if it's going to be like as the weeks go on, just as they do, like something new is going to replace it in the IMAX screenings and in the Dolby screenings. And I got to try to get there if I can before that happens. Cause I would, I-, I just saw it in a regular, no special theater. Um, I'd love to see it in one of those kinds of places. I'd recommend Dolby. Dolby was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um. That said, I'm, I- I'm only going to, I'm only starting at a seven. I I think okay. a couple you know a, a rewatch or so and and a little little more digestion could could pick it up. Um so I said I there's not a really a whole lot about it I I disliked per se. Um but as I said just sort of that initial high of it the first time kind of settled quickly.
2: Yeah. Um I actually think I'm going to come in where Andy was I think I'm thinking 9.5 for me. I was thinking 9 but I I really don't have too much bad to say about this. And the fact that I was probably going to come in 8.59 after viewing one, and it was basically the the pacing and the length that was going to, you know, give it that score. But after seeing it a second time and not feeling like that was as much of an issue for me the second time, I get to give it a little bit higher. So I think I'm going to end at a 9.5 right now. So I, I would gladly see it again in a theater. I don't know. I feel like there's one or two other people I know that still hasn't gone. So I'll probably offer if someone wants to go. Um, but yeah, Josh, like you were saying, i I was going to give the date anyway, but April 19th is when uh deadline is reporting that the Batman will hit HBO max. So for anyone that has not seen it. And I mean, we'd highly recommend, I think every one of us would recommend seeing this in a the theater if you get a chance. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to wait for HBO max and have your ability to pause and take bathroom breaks as often as you'd like, uh, April 19th is the date to look for. And I think that's
3: a good thing to point out with a movie that long. You know, it's. It, it I've heard that good from people that don't want to go home. to the
2: theater just because it's three hours long, and they just don't know how many times they can have to go
3: to the bathroom during that that length. That's you know, it's easier for some people than others, and it's also just sitting in a theater seat. There's a lot more comfortable theaters out there, but a lot of theaters don't have the most comfortable seats, and yeah, yeah. sitting in those
2: things for three hours can kind of suck. Um. And I know I'm going to spring this on you guys last minute, but and you don't have to give any type of like list or ranking. I'm just kind of seeing where you stand. But where do you think this stacks up for you against other Batman movies? Third. So you you already have your top three. You know Third rises. This one. Okay. Anybody else pull it that
1: quick, or are you still digesting? I could say at minimum tied with Batman and Robin. <laughs> 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 And it's somewhere
2: between that and my top movie. <laughs> so... <laughs> um we'll come back. We'll circle back. Andy, do you have yeah. any any idea where it lands for you, or are you still figuring it out?
0: Probably top three. I, I there's a special place in my heart for the first Tim Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Batman. Yeah. And I I didn't care for Dark Knight Rises as much as I cared for the Dark Knight. So it'd okay. probably be, I don't know. It it probably depends you don't have if, to list them
2: if like top three with those yeah, two it, or that's fine. Yeah, it yeah. would it
0: would probably be a toss up between Dark Knight, original Batman, and the Batman for me. For okay, first, for first. So,
2: yeah, I think it's it's landing near the top for me. It's it's one of two. It's this or Dark Knight. Like those are those are the two for me right now. It's it's so hard to get to top the Dark Knight. Like there's just something about that movie that I think that one fires on all cylinders too. And Heath Ledger's Joker drives that movie, and just his portrayal alone is enough to keep it near the top for me. I have a soft plate, my, soft place in my heart for Batman Begins, also. Like I feel like that would probably end up at my number three if I had to do top three. Um, I just don't know. It it could be a toss up right now whether it's Dark Knight or the Batman for number one for me. But those are those are probably my three. I, I, I just... uh, Josh, you spin back around. Do you know where you're at yet, or?
1: Yeah, pro- probably about there. Same same thing. Probably Dark Knight at the top. I I I'm actually with you. I prefer, uh, Batman Begins over Dark Knight Rises. Um, so that's probably number two. This, the Batman would now comfortably sit at number three for the time being and potentially yeah. have, uh, room to move up.
2: Gotcha, Mike. What did you say something? I was just gonna
1: say I feel like
3: the Nolan movies are more rewatchable. Like, I feel like because this this is heavier, you know, in content matter and everything, I feel like it's like Logan, where I recognize that it's an extremely good movie, but the rewatchability
2: goes down for me because of that heaviness. Yeah, that was the exact comparison I was going to make, too, is that it it does have that heaviness of Logan Mm. a little bit. But, yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's where we're going to end for the Batman. So we still, I think, came in under the runtime for the movie. We're still probably at. Two and a half-ish, 245 for the episode. But that's still under three hours, so we've made it. We've successfully hit our goal. <laughs> Congratulations, everybody. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bryguy and Super Friends. Go to facebook.com slash Bryguy Super Friends. That's our page. You can send us questions, comments, comments topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Uh, hit us up in an email form if you would like, Friends at com. It's there. It's an active email. I don't check it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at bg BGSuperFriends. That we will see. I can respond to that one uh feel free to follow me on twitch it's jedi bry guy jedi with an i bry with a y if we ever decide to do live shows we'll do we'll do them there if uh you ever want to watch me play some games occasionally i do that there as well uh and that's it for us on behalf of andy josh mike and myself thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time